0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts.
1: Here we are. Welcome to another show, another podcast. It's the Holiday Podcast. And you know why it's the Holiday Podcast? Because it's long. This is my gift to you, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast listeners. This is probably going to be the longest one I've ever done for you. Great, great show today. Again, it's like two podcasts in one. If you need to break it up, that's fine. I'm sure you have a big holiday weekend. You got to deal with family. I don't like dealing with any of them either, Uh, but... You'll be able to take this podcast with you. All your favorites are going to be here, mainly me, Sam Roberts. It's called Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, after all. Uh, my guest, MVP. MVP uh, is going to be on the show today. He's talking about everything uh, from wrestling to the life he's living now to to dealing with Vince McMahon. To And you'll be able to find out for yourself if you think MVP's impression or my impression of Vince McMahon is better. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, after you hear the interview, tweet MVP and talk to him about his Vince McMahon impression. After that, we're going to get into the state of wrestling. Katie Linendoll is going to be joining me, talking all things uh, NXT TakeOver London, Slammy Award Raw, uh, the whole deal. We'll talk about it all uh, here on the podcast, but let's start out with MVP. Of course, we all know MVP, former WWE superstar. Then he headed over to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Then headed over to TNA for a little while. Uh, now he's just kind of touring the country. I I was able to talk to him on my on my Sirius XM show, Sam Roberts Show, which is on Opie Radio XM one hundred three Sirius two hundred six every single weeknight from nine p.m. to twelve a.m. Eastern Standard Time, three hours a night, fifteen hours of me every week that you might be missing out on. Can you believe that? Uh, and MVP came in. He just happened to be in New York. He was passing through. I think he had just wrestled in, like, Scotland or something. He texted me. He said, hey, are you doing a show tonight? Can I come up? I said, of course you can, MVP. So here he is on this week's wrestling podcast, uh, half man, half amazing, MVP. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. And guess who's here? MVP. MVP, my pal. You know him from... Uh, Maybe his days in WWE, maybe his days in TNA. Uh, we've done stuff uh, on the air together over the years. Oh, we go way back. Way back. All the way back to Opie and Anthony. Right, when they were both here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to Sam Roberts Show. When they
0: were throwing you under the bus, trying to get you beat up, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that
1: was like, if you go, and I think it's still on YouTube, because it still gets passed around. MVP came in, and this is when this is when you were newish, I guess, probably, mm-hmm, in WWE, mm-hmm. and... It's when I was – I had only been around for a couple of years, so it was still the Humiliate Sam game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't stand for that anymore. But uh, I had I – Obviously not. Look, how, look at you now. Huh? Right. Please ignore, by the way, the humiliating Christmas decorations. Yeah, oh, I, I, the, I, I can't stand I them. I can't but, stand any of them. But
0: this isn't this, – this is the Sam Roberts show.
1: Well, it's Sam Roberts show. You'll see there's no the. The. It's but Sam there's an Robert apostrophe. S-. I see
0: the apostrophe after the
1: S. Because it's possessive.
0: Possession. my I show. I, 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 yeah. I, right. It's, but
1: it's grammatically correct. But when I first met you, I was given a list of questions to ask you. Uh, of course, you know, you did some time in prison before you were in uh, pro wrestling. And so I was asked, I was told to ask you to your face standing up if you like wrestling better than prison. <laughs> And you looked at me like, "Are you really asking me that right now?" Like, that's... I think I
0: may have even said that. Did I? Probably. Did you... Are you really? Is that a real question? That's... Really... And I
1: said, "I'm. I'm sorry, Mr. Man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you here, <laughs> but we." And the answer was, uh, "Wrestling is your preference."
0: Yes. But... As a matter of fact, yeah. It, but uh... it turned out that it was.
1: Yeah, you've done a lot uh, since then. In the world of pro wrestling and everywhere, really. I mean, you're one of these guys who... And I've lived a few
0: lifetimes, man.
1: I, I feel like you don't you don't feel comfortable sitting still. It seems like you're always doing something. You're always talking to somebody. You're always going somewhere. Like, you don't like chilling out. Uh,
0: what time is it right
1: now? It is uh, 10.45, quarter to drinking, 11. I'm yeah. drinking a cup of coffee. <laughs> you are. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there's still life to live.
0: Uh, there's still stuff to do, man. I, you know, I guess the old saying, I'll sleep when I'm dead.
1: Yeah. Is that the way you've always been? Uh, yeah, I, I just... Man,
0: life is to be lived, and and um, even as a kid, I was always you know explore. I was I was a mischievous kid because mm-hmm. I was always and not mischievous because there's no such word. Is that right? Uh, there's no such word as mischievous. It's
1: mischievous. That's right. Yes, yeah, right. That's right.
0: See, so hang out with us. You'll learn about where apostrophes are supposed to be placed. Right. And proper pronunciation of words. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just always was you know excited about, you know, new places and new things. And even as, you know, I used to read a lot and I'd read about faraway places. And now I go to those faraway places and I have friends all over the world that I can go hang out with and visit. And hey, I'm in New York. Hey, Sam, what's up? How you doing? Oh, come on the show. All right, yeah, I'll be there. Let's, let's hang out. You know? Right, so,
1: right. And is that, are you, a, are you a planner or are you more like, like today you texted me at like, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, hey, dude, I'm in town. If you don't have anything going on in your show, you I was like, yeah, come by. Like, are you, is that... More how you live your life, or are you sort of let's let's get things on a calendar. Let's... No,
0: it depends. Like this was com- this whole trip has been completely improv. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a connection in Newark, mm-hmm. and uh, I blew off my connection to <laughs> catch up with a friend, and ended up staying the night. And then uh, Dave Batista, who's in town filming a movie, uh-huh. hit me up, and he's like, "Yo." You know, when are you going to be in New York? I'm in New York right now. <laughs> Guess what I'm doing at 1 o'clock? I'm going to Marvel headquarters to go pick up the first edition of Drax. You want to come? Fuck, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I ended up going to Marvel and hanging out with Drax the Destroyer, a.k.a. The Animal, Dave Bautista. Yeah. I got, a, my, my, I got I got my suitcase outside. My gear bag is in the hallway. I see it. Because my other bag got checked all the way through to Houston. So, you, so my gear, I'm, I'm walking around the streets <laughs> in New York with my gear bag. I'm ready for a match right now. I got boots and gear right now. We can, we can have a match, uh, a street so fight.
1: What happens to your bag then? Does it just, like, get there and it'll... You'll just have to just find have to it when it you it get well, there? Yeah, they'll,
0: they'll have it in a little storeway place where the, you know, unclaimed bags go. Well, actually, I'm going to call and because uh, I got I haven't even booked a flight home yet, a <laughs> new flight. So there are times like now when I tend to be totally spontaneous and things fall into place. And then, you know, there are other times when it's strictly business and there's a business itinerary and right. I'm all about that. you am know, right. not
1: going to. And where were you before that? Were you at a wrestling gig or something? Uh, yeah, I was in
0: Glasgow, Scotland, uh, wrestling for British Championship Wrestling. I had a weekend out there, me and uh, Carlito. And uh, then, uh, yeah, coming back from there on my way back home, made a pit stop in Newark, ended up in New York. And, and I'll be here for a couple of days that I didn't plan. and then. Uh,
1: Are you staying? sticking around for a couple of days now?
0: Well, yeah, because uh, Dave invited me to come out on the set tomorrow.
1: So <laughs> You're doing that. What's he filming now? Uh,
0: uh, he said it's a film called Bushwick. Oh. I don't know how much I can say about
1: it. Right. But I mean, I it's probably going to be a monster because, like, you talk about a guy who's been successful at this thing. I mean, Man. Dave Batista can pick a movie.
0: I remember the, when we were talking, because Dave, uh, he's always been like a brother to me. from From the time he decided he liked me. We just clicked, and he's always looked out for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you a story that you know your, your wrestling, the, your wrestling fan listeners will, will appreciate. Yeah, uh, to tell you what a guy Dave Batista is. Uh, we had been doing a, a television feud. You know, it wasn't a pay per view feud, but this every week he and I were going through something. and We were wrestling, and uh, he had beaten me like two weeks in a row on TV. And the finish that day was, you know, he was going to beat me again. Mm-hmm. And I know my role. I'm a heel. He's, he's the money guy. He's a star. I mean, I'm, that's what I'm there for. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. Dave had a problem with it because he said, it "Does why am I beating you again? This does <laughs> nothing for you. This does nothing for me. This is pointless. Yeah. You know, and he is exactly, well, you're a fucking guy we can do something with. Why am I beating you again? This is what Dave said. I said... Fuck it, Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm in the main event against you. I'm cool. That's fine. Right. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm making that main event money. I'm getting the rub. He goes, no, nah, fuck that. It's bullshit. Let's go talk to Vince. I said, nah, I'm, I'm, you know, no, let's go talk and to Vince. And at that Vince. point,
1: do you not want to talk to Vince? Because you don't want to make any trouble with anybody. You're like, I'm in the main event. Yeah. I, Last well, thing you know, I want it's weird to do cause is... Of
0: course, I'm ambitious. And yeah, but at, at that point, I felt like, okay, I know what the dynamic is here. You know, sure. And I, I'm okay with that. When, when it's my time, you know, they'll pull the trigger and it'll be that. You know, I, I was cool with that. Mm-hmm. That that was, you know, Dave was the dude. You know, right. let's get Dave over. I know what my job is, you know. So Dave went in to talk to Vince and said, Vince, it doesn't make sense to me being MVP again on TV. It does nothing. So we, me, Dave, and uh, Vince did a quick brainstorm. And we came up with a finish where we were we'd fight outside the ring. He'd be kicking my ass outside the ring, and I'd be running away from him during the count. So as I dive into the ring, I win by countout. And I, I kind of slid out the backside of the ring, and I was still scared. And, you know, I'm showing, oh, shit. And then, you know, the winner by countout MVP. So you still yeah, get to be my this swagger bad guy. Back, and i like, yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. I won. <laughs> and uh, that was the finish that we came up with. Dave did that. Dave literally took me into Vince and said, "Vince, it doesn't make sense. That doesn't happen very often in the world of professional wrestling. There aren't right. that many guys that think that selflessly and that see the the, the picture in that way." Especially because so that's Batiste the kind of guy then, he is.
1: And at that point, he is in this great big money spot. Mm-hmm. Last thing he wants to do is be a pain in anybody's ass and and fuck that up for him. But.
0: You know he was in that position where he could do that. he didn't right. have to worry about fucking anything up for him because he was in the golden circle.
1: Gotcha, so he
0: could do that, and the fact that he chose to do that with me speaks volumes about his character and uh you know he's always been that way with me. you know he's always been real cool and and uh like a big brother, you know yeah, like a big brother so yeah with his with his movie career, I remember the day he left. And it was it was crazy because Murray was a security guard. She walked him out, and he was telling me, "He goes, Vince, Vince doesn't think I'm leaving. He thinks I'm bullshit. He, you know, he doesn't think I'm serious."
1: Because this is also, I mean, this guy and people know Batista from uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's in James Bond. And he was just yes, Mr. Hinks, yeah, the yeah. The, the, the new Bond
0: uh, henchman.
1: I mean, his success has been has been crazy, but like he left wrestling, and he's he was on top of his game. Like yeah. he had. Mm-hmm years to go Absolutely. where he would still be one of the top guys Absolutely no doubt no question And so he leaves and literally walked away from millions of dollars a year <sighs> on the
0: chance that he'd make it in Hollywood
1: And Vince is saying he's not leaving He's not going to walk away from all this
0: money and you got to remember I mean you know Dave's my ace and you know I remember when the first time I went to Dave's house he invited me over and I you know I was still a rookie on the roster and I walked in in his garage, he had this tricked out sweet ass Hummer that back then when the Hummers were still cool, everything you could <laughs> right. possibly do to it. He had a Bentley and a Lamborghini. You know, these are the cars that he had in his
1: driveway. So he wasn't exactly saving his money? Uh,
0: well, he was just making a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> he, was just, he was making millions of dollars a year. So, Man. Now it's a
1: few hundred grand on a car here and there,
0: you know? Right, and, right. It's a and, toy. Yeah. And I remember standing there looking like, wait a minute. So, you mean to tell me if if this shit works out for me, like this is my future. Right. Wow. You know, I just, you know, so Dave was a guy that, you know, Vince knew You know, Dave had expensive tastes. Dave likes nice shit. There's no secret. So people just figured, nah, he's not going to walk away from this kind of money. And he did. And he's been successful. Right. So, Cause I was about to, to say,
1: I've heard that uh movie money is not bad either. Well, <laughs> like, like, from
0: what like, uh, from Guardians what of the Galaxy money
1: is probably not terrible.
0: Especially when you're in, when, when you're in a, a, a franchise. Yeah.
1: You know, and here's what I'm wondering. A couple of franchises, because theoretically, I mean, I didn't see the James Bond movie. Maybe he dies in it. But theoretically, he could pop back in another James Bond movie. Well, it,
0: yeah, it was open-ended. You don't know if Oof, he's dead or not. sweet. So it's, it's possible that Hinks could return. You don't know.
1: And as simple as his character, you know, from the, from the sitting in the seat perspective was in Guardians of the Galaxy, they're not doing another Guardians without him.
0: Oh no! There's no no. no way. No, he's 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 signed on. (laughs) They they start shooting in February. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. They start shooting in February.
1: He's Drax. And as long as they get another sweet soundtrack for that movie, that's Uh, guaranteed.
0: Yeah, I saw it today. the The platinum plaque for the soundtrack. (laughs) Got it. Or it's at Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and then you got to figure. You know, not that I have any inside information, and I haven't asked Dave about it, but. You know, with the success of Guardians and the success of the Avengers, I could see a potential crossover happening. Sure, you know? absolutely. And, and, and that, guess what? And and every movie you would
1: that yeah build those up, absolutely. Up, up.
0: And then let's look at the residuals, all the back end money. Right. You know, oh man, it's <laughs>
1: <laughs> merch. <laughs> Wait a minute, yeah. What? Hey, Dave, what, hook me up, man. I need to start acting. Does that ever like? Does that ever get to you? Like, does that make you? kind of get more competitive with yourself in the sense that you see like okay this was a guy who was doing what I was doing in the wrestling ring and now he's become this a-list, a-list movie guy I need to do something that's even bigger than what I did in the ring when I leave it
0: uh, you know it's weird cuz I'm in a weird point of my life right now mm-hmm. um dave is an inspiration to me without question mm-hmm. um he him, Punk, Jericho, you know, guys that have said, hey, I'm just going to go off and do these other things and have done well in those other things. It's absolutely an inspiration. You know, I've gone off to do my own thing in wrestling, you know, without the WWE universe and, and, and uh, crutches, if you will. I've stood on my own. Internationally,
1: well, you, you went to Japan, and when you went to Japan, it was like everybody said you were a lunatic for going to Japan because it was as if you were going into obscurity.
0: <laughs> and those same people are wearing bullet club shirts right now,
1: which is the biggest wrestling thing <laughs> in Japan. Like right? it, it became this over here, you can't go to a wrestling convention without
0: seeing bullet club shirts and hats. All the smart, you know, all the cool right. wrestling fans, like you know, well, guess what? I was doing that before you were cool, you know, I, <laughs> right? So to answer your question, um, I've got a few things that I've been working on, but you know, I just became a father a year ago. My son turned one,
1: uh-huh.
0: and I never wanted kids, never wanted to have kids. You know, this is something that I, I didn't want, and it kind of dropped in my lap, so to speak. Sure. And, uh, you know, I've accepted this responsibility, and— Man, this little dude, I love this little guy. You
1: know? I, there's gotta be something chemical that happens because everybody says
0: that. They're like I, I do I you if, if you ask anybody that knows me, they will tell you there was not a more anti <laughs> man. I like kids in like fifteen minute increments, you know. Right. And I I used to say all the time i uh my, my, my one of my buddies, my, used to be my neighbor John Bailey. He uh he and his wife have a, a, a modern day Brady bunch. Uh-huh. He had let me see, he had Four before they met, Mm -hmm. and she had two, and then they had four more. What? So a total of 10 kids. Yeah. So I would go and spend time at their house because I used to feel like that was my birth control. That, you know, that, that was great right uh, and then i got careless and i got sloppy and then you know so right uh, yeah
1: because guess what if that's your birth control you still need birth control birth like be right. actual birth yeah, control yeah. Yeah. It's, it's
0: not enough just to have that reminder because that reminder didn't work that particular time <laughs> but, but i've always heard people say that you know when, when you have a kid something happens or no, it's different and which I was like, nah, because you see all these people that fuck off and, you know, don't give a damn about their kids. Yeah. You know, but in my case, you know. It clicked uh, in,
1: whatever it this was. This little
0: guy, you know, and I looked at. And I remember the very first time that I felt uh, a connection. He was sick. He was still uh, just a few months old. Right. And uh, I went to go visit him and his mom woke him up and he was crying. But he had lost his voice. So this little three-month-old toddler was wailing with this kind of heart, uh, uh, raspy kind of. And I remember that moment. That was the first time, I, I can't describe the feeling, but mm-hmm. it was the first time that I felt that feeling. Yeah. Where I just grabbed this little guy and I felt like, oh, no, no I put him back to sleep. No, I don't want him to cry. Like, And the fact that he was crying and, and he was sick, that's what it was. He had had uh, a little chest cold or something. So he had no voice. And he's trying to cry, but it sounded like a duck or something. Mm-hmm. You know? It was just like,
1: so. And you're like the Grinch at the end of the Grinch. All at the end of the Grinch you stole Christmas. So all of a sudden, your heart starts growing, yeah, and you're like, "What yeah, is this like, feeling?"
0: Oh man, I don't, I can't describe. I don't know what, what, what's happening to me. I'm going <laughs> yeah. soft, man. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so now one of I, I, next year, my goal, I want to open up a bar in Texas. That's something I've been talking. I live in, I reside in Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. and I want to open up a bar, and um, I want to get more into uh, motivational speaking. And there are a few projects that I'm working on that I, I don't want to talk about just yet. But I'm at a point where I, no, I don't think I want to be a big movie star. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm kind of winding it down because I, I think I want to try to do this dad thing.
1: Man. <laughs> and it seems, too, like you like the idea of getting to be you. Like you don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to slip into a character and do this and go to an audition and blah, blah, blah. It's like a speaking tour, a book, stuff like that. It's like, you know, when you're wrestling – it's not you, you, but it's an extension of you. Uh,
0: an exaggeration of me. Right,
1: sure. right. If you're on a speaking tour, you're still telling your story. You sure. still get to be you. You perform as you. If you are a character, you're creating it or whatever. How do you figure out, though, how to be spontaneous? Like if you've got a kid now, do you have to check in with the kid's mom before you're like, by the way, I'm not going to be home for a couple of days? Yeah. Or Well,
0: it's weird because, uh, you know, because he's still a baby. Yeah, uh, the way we've got our, our our agreement set up is he she has him most of the time, and you know I I, I go get him once a week, mm-hmm. and she's been pretty cool about you know uh, we we don't get along the best, but it's cool. I was going to ask you, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we try to get along for his sake, and she's been pretty cool about you know letting me spend time with him when I can, you know, because of my schedule. So she's been pretty flexible about that. But um, when he turns two. You know that's
1: when things change, and then
0: I'll, I'll be able to get them. You know on the weekends and holidays, and you know the summers and that kind of stuff. Oh, so is so that be, the way it
1: works? Like when it's an infant, you're not right. supposed to pass Spend it around. time and then, with the
0: mom. Yeah, you know that, hmm. that nurturing thing. And, Which is fine. Cause I'm it's cool like, with that. Yeah, I'm cool with that. And it's like the I, kid I kind is... of feel like that whole Spartan thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Stay with your mom when it's time to be a man. Then I got you. We'll, right. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll send you out with a with a sharpened stick and make you bring me back a lion. And
1: know? that's when he starts developing memories. Anyway, it's exactly. like he's, he's not going to remember that you went off and did this. Yeah, that. like ever his
0: mom on his first birthday party, she wanted to do this big theme party. And I'm like, are you doing this for you or are you doing this for him? Right. He doesn't care. He just wants to get cake in his hair. You right. know, like that he doesn't care. You know?
1: And then that's why you guys don't get along very well because you're not supposed <laughs> to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But so, uh, but so you're in it for the long haul. So you're thinking once this kid gets a little older, you plant some roots but still do enough, speaking to her, whatever it is, that you'll – be able to get out there and, and, yeah,
0: and, and you know be
1: public and, I'm not saying that
0: um that I have you know like I, I don't have any interest at all in acting. You know it's something I, I I don't have aspirations to become an actor. Right. But if, you know, a project came and somebody said, Hey have you interested in doing something like this? Sure. I, yeah, sure I'd love the challenge. But there's
1: and, a thing and I've talked to people about it too, like in my life where they're like, well this is what I want to do. And I go, okay, well you know, this is what it takes. You have to do this, this, this and this. And a lot of times the amount of work that you have to do to get to a place isn't worth it. Like as much as you would enjoy yeah. the reward, it's not worth it to the amount of work that you have to put in, in which case you shouldn't do the work. And if you don't get the reward, that should be fine.
0: And and I think some people don't. A, a lot of people often take for granted the amount of sacrifice and hard work that it takes to achieve some measure of success. And, you know, how long did it take you before you got your own show? Ten ten years. You know, how much shit did you go through grinding, sacrificing when you had other shit that you really wanted to be doing, but, oh, man, I got to go do this because I have goals, shit I want to accomplish. So, you know, to become an actor, I I know what Dave went through. I know how hard it was and how much time he had to put in and the, the, the acting coaches and I, that's that's I don't have that level of interest, and for me, I, I I'm at a point where I try not to be motivated by money. And if I did some acting, it would be because it'd be a cool project that'd be like, yeah, okay, let's do that. You know, right? Um, actually, what I want to do, and you're going to be surprised by this, I'm more inspired by what Chris Jericho has done with Fozzy, um, because you've heard some of my hip hop and I've sure, some sure, songs yeah, with, yeah, yeah, but I. I'm 42, and before it gets to be too late, I want to start my own hardcore band. A hardcore band? Yeah, I want to front my own band, and I've got songs that I wrote years ago. You know, and it's something that that's a project that I've really been thinking about a lot lately. That doesn't take much to do. You know, it's yeah. not too difficult. You know, and uh, so you want to do all you want?
1: You want to front a hardcore band? That's amazing, you, dude.
0: When I was in prison, yeah. I used to have this vision of me on stage in some black basketball shorts and some black basketball sneakers. No shirt with the mic cord wrapped around my fist. Uh-huh. In a, and I, 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 I wanted to be, I, I used to read a lot of magazines. I'd read Rolling Stone and sure. Maxim and, you know, details. And, you know, I, I wanted somebody to like to write an article about me and refer to me as the black Henry Rollins. <laughs> <laughs> and... I kind of you know Henry Rollins. I really dig his style. I dig you know his his, his spoken word and his his travel, his intelligence, and and his music. Rollins Bang. I just yeah. you know and, and Black Flag and history. So that's and as much as I love hip hop, I love what Ice T's done with Body
1: Count. I was about to say when you were describing that thing with the thing. I mean, Ice-T's when I was one in prison,
0: the- I remember as soon as Body Count hit, you know, because Ice T's. I've been a fan of Ice T like before Colors when you know most people discovered him. I was in Florida and you know. The Tapes get around, and you know, I heard uh, six in the morning, and I remember just like wow, right? You know, and uh, i mean, well, actually, really, Ice T goes back with the break in and Chris the crystal glove, the DJ, and all that. But when he dropped that body count, I remember going, That's what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. that's it, I, w- I wanted to do that, you know, and and, and for somebody like Ice T to drop that, I was like, Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, that the the one song he had, "There Goes the Neighborhood." Have you ever heard it?
1: Uh no. The I Body mean, I'm Cal- sure I, I I have. I just don't know it. by Man, title.
0: that song I remember it was on the uh, the the Cop Killer. Yeah. One that, you know, and he says, uh, "There go them black boys with the fancy cars. Who gave those black boys those rock guitars? Who let them in the club? Did you make them pay? Who let them on the stage?" Uh, don't they know rocks just for whites? Don't they know the rules? It's just such a cool ass song, right. Those boys want everything. There goes the neighborhood <laughs> down,
1: down,
0: down, down, down. So I would like to do something like
1: that. Do you know the band every time I die? I've heard of them, yes, Andy Williams, who's in that band. he's been in here before, is like, I mean, I'll text him because he's the biggest wrestling fan that you've ever met. You should meet him because he's, okay. you know, he's doing, he's, sure, sure, he's, yeah. he's doing this. Um, so that's, so how come, cause you've done a little bit in music, but it's been uh, hip hop.
0: Yeah, just hip hop. Yeah. Just my, and, and even then I was just a just, hobby. People right. have talked about uh, MVP a rap career. No, man. I'd never had any intention of a Doesn't rap that suck career. though? Because,
1: because you've, you've, once you get on WWE, right now, you're this national figure and for better or worse, you've got a big audience right. so whatever you do that you just kind of throw out there becomes this thing like it can't just be a hobby yeah and that's you know, all it was like, hey
0: I got a studio in my house I like to make music it's fun my friends come over we'll smoke and we'll write some songs record some stuff and and have some fun with it i i, I Never had any intention of embarking upon a rap career. I wonder, since I wrote my first rap when I was in sixth grade when I heard Run DMC, Daryl and Joe. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what, I liked that. No, not Daryl and Joe, Rockbox. And I said, okay, I I, I want to try my hand at that. And I just always wanted to make a song. And I was at WWE, I was making good money, and I said, you know what, I can buy some of this stuff, and I can, hey, guess what, I can do this. And it was fun, you know, so that's that was all, you know, the, the rap thing, it, unfortunately... You know, by the time I was able to do it, my my passion, you know, for rap had waned in the same way. I mean, I still love hip hop, but you know, when I was younger, yeah, it was something that I wanted to pursue. Right. But as I'm older nah, it's just something I do for fun. You know, and, and even with the band, if if I ever actually make it happen, you know, it, it'll it, it'll be a passion play, and the other members of the band would have to be like, yeah, so let's do this project, and let's you know see what happens, and let you know just have fun with
1: it. Right. Just fine. Because it. if it becomes a job, I don't want to do it. No. Just find a little stage, find an audience, 100 people, whatever it is, and just uh, yeah, fucking rock out for a while. people, that's yeah. great. I'm happy
0: with that. You know? Yeah. Shake some hands, buy a couple of T-shirts, let's hang out, do a few shots, and okay, on to the next.
1: Done. <laughs> Done. What was it like, you know, you're talking about, you know, hanging out, being social, smoking, drinking, whatever it is. Uh... When you were in WWE, because now everybody talks about how the culture is totally different. Like you know, fifteen years ago and before, there was a lot of partying, yeah, absolutely drinking every night. It was it was a rock star lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whether they're saying it because it's the company line or whether it's true, now none of that.
0: It's I would say it's mostly true. I yeah. mean, the boys are still going to drink, and it's an environment. Uh, when I was there, I don't I, I'm not there now. But and, you know, drinking was. Uh, um, well, yeah, I was encouraged. It was encouraged, mm-hmm. and, and and it was uh, nurtured. I mean, there was beer on the on the buses after the tours, and and <clears throat> but I, I came th- at, in that window where I think, uh, as far as the WWE culture was concerned, I got called up like right around the time that real corporate, the new corporate attitude, really started taking effect. Yes, and uh, I was also there, you know, during the time with. You know, I got called up shortly after Eddie died. And, of course, everybody attributed that to drugs and not to a congenital heart defect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you know, the, the late Chris Benoit. And, um, there was a time when there was a huge problem with drugs and, quote, unquote, partying in the locker room. And it was a problem. Right. Um, and I came, I saw the tail end of that. You know, uh, nowadays, there's nobody face down in their food and catering. That's unheard of. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. And. Um, Uh, But the the flip side of that is when you go on, you know, overseas tours, instead of guys going out to the bars and clubs, you know, chasing, you know, local broads and local brew, guys are going back to the hotel room playing Xbox and calling their girlfriends. Right. And, you know, to to, to the old guard and the traditionalists, you know, that's unspeakable. (laughs) But, you know, from a business standpoint, you know, that's that's really not a bad thing, you know.
1: And the old guard probably doesn't also understand that now you go hook up with random chicks on the overseas tour, they got TMZ overseas too. And all you need to do is get yeah. one photo on a cell phone. Yeah, I mean, there's no done. beer in
0: the locker room now. Now there's protein shakes. And, you know, guys, just and it's it's, it's, it's it, there's been an evolution. And I, I have to give Vince McMahon credit for cleaning that up because that was a scourge. That was a huge problem. And, you know, I've got a lot of colleagues and a few friends that died from, you know, drug abuse. Uh, specifically in the industry, mm-hmm. and you know Vince McMahon the WWE being the leader in the industry, kind of led the way of saying, "Okay, well we we got to clean this up." But let me be clear, you know, it, it Vince didn't do it <laughs> because he was some beneficent, you know, like, "Hey, I want to spend all this money because I really want to help these people out." I, it's my take that. You know, because Vince went through all this bullshit before with the the, the steroid trial, and yeah. the Feds, and Congress started talking. He was proactive and said, "Okay, because I am the leader, they're going to hang me out to dry. So let me go right. ahead." I and know set what the happens. Precedent. Right, because it happened. This, and Vince is a he's a mad genius, so he knows what he's doing. And they took the necessary, and especially as a corporate entity with shareholders, he had to take certain measures to protect his business interests. And that's what he did. And, you know, in in the long run, it's going to save a lot of lives.
1: It seems like, and it's really kind of surprising the lengths to which they seemingly go, you know, from an outsider's perspective, that they'll now have top guys in the company that they'll just take off TV for months because Mm -hmm. of a concussion, which is something they would work through.
0: Fifteen years ago. Oh man, uh, fifteen years ago, what was a concussion?
1: Right, it was just a... a you got your bell rung. Exactly. That was called. You know? Exactly. Shake it off. Yeah,
0: shake it off. Yeah. Here's a drink. You know. I, drink.
1: I, I, you know I, move exactly.
0: On. And then you know afterwards you got a headache. You know, have a few shots, have a few beers, you'll be fine. Right. I and it's funny because I was just reading something recently uh, with this new uh, movie that Will the Smith con- is the Concussion. concussion. Movie, yeah. I know. Right now the NFL they are shitting themselves. <laughs> this, they got to be
1: really, really. I mean, even in the trailer watching it. You're like, oh, shit, this is Take not the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it, yeah, there's just all
0: this damning evidence that they knew Yeah, the condition that these guys were going through. And they were taking steps to continue to put them out there and not letting them know. Because here's what I say. Don't feel sorry for me. If, if I get in the ring and I break my fucking neck, mm-hmm. I chose to do that. I knew the risk. It was, it was my choice. Sure. Um, If I play football at the end of my career, my knees are shot. I chose to do that. However, if the situation is such where there was evidence showing that there was some sort of damage from concussions and the NFL knew and hit it and still sent players out there saying, hey, no, you're fine. All right. That's a different situation. Absolutely. And, And professional wrestling. You know, there was no concussions. Nobody gets concussions. You know, you you, know, you got your bell rung, or if you really got knocked out, that was almost kind of funny. You know, like oh, you got knocked right, out. Right, right. You know, but now that with all this new evidence and and this uh, medic the technology's advancing, I read something recently where they've actually redefined what a concussion is, and now uh, a concussion is considerably less than what we once thought it
1: was gotcha so the spectrum has been widened right, so much right
0: the definition has been broadened so man i couldn't even tell you how many concussions i have. I man i've had plenty of matches where i kind of like kind of remember finishing the match mm-hmm. where i got clotheslined in the face or caught a bad elbow or you just you know you take a bad bump things happen and you know okay your, your bell was wrong we finished the match and you know i, I fortunately i was never so concussed that you know uh, i was unconscious or that i got nauseous or anything but there were plenty of times when i was disoriented for a couple minutes i'm like well give me a minute you know i, I gotta i gotta catch myself Hold right
1: on. and in these days that would be enough that's enough yeah right yeah that's do, you, enough. Is it, is, do you think it's gonna be a problem for ufc going forward then i mean ufc is a sport even though it's not like that's that, a great question it's a knockout knockout like dana is encouraging fighters don't go to judge's decision. That's what he always says, submission or knockout. Like, And, and you're looking— I
0: think in to, this case, though, like if, you sustain, if you're if you knocked out, yeah. uh, you get like an automatic six-month suspension
1: or something like that. Oh, so you don't— go, you, you, Yeah, you're not
0: like—if I'm not mistaken, you. and somebody else can correct me on this, but if you're knocked out in a fight, I think there's like a, a mandatory suspension period— for recovery or something along those lines. So
1: theoretically, I, it's long enough before your next fight that any provided you're
0: not back taking headshots training, you know.
1: And so, who's 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 looking right. at that?
0: And 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 you know, I, I don't know enough about that to speak on that. Maybe somebody can uh you know call in that, but has a little more information about that. But yeah, I, I do know there is some sort of mandatory off time if you if you if you're knocked out.
1: Was MMA ever in your sort of wheelhouse at all?
0: Yeah. Well. Because uh, even in pro wrestling, I've always liked the shoot style. And as you know, I was a huge fan of Japanese wrestling, and I like the grappling. And
1: Japanese wrestling is way more, it's hard-hitting. Japanese audiences, and correct me if I'm wrong, want to be convinced that what they're seeing is two guys, a guy getting hurt. Like, they want to see... Wrestling is still presented as sport in Japan. Yeah, right, it's still sport. So it's much more hard hitting. It's much more sort of scientific grappling. Right. real moves.
0: Educated hey, fans, yeah. you know.
1: And of course, the results are predetermined as sure, is sure. Pro and, wrestling. and there's That's the high we,
0: flying, and you know, yeah. there's all of that. But you know, the roots of it are still you know very grappling based, and uh, you know that always appealed to me. So early on in my career, you know, when I was on the indie scene, I'm like, man, if this wrestling thing doesn't work out, I think I'll, I think I'll try this fighting thing. Because as a kid, I always wanted to be a kickboxer anyway. You know, I just remember Dennis Alexio and ISK. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I want to kickbox. That's pretty cool. And yeah. I like boxing. You know, I boxed a, a very little bit, you know. But uh, the the whole MMA thing, I just thought, man, this is, you know, what we've always wanted.
1: Like, you know... You know, kung fu versus karate versus, you know, who would really win? Right when it first started, it was like the guy in the boxing shorts versus the guy in the gi. Right, who's yeah.
0: So we've been so fortunate because we've actually seen the evolution of a new martial art take place, Mm -hmm. and it's MMA. It's you know, know, uh, wrestling, submission wrestling, boxing, kickboxing, muay thai. It's everything mixed into one art, and it's so cool. In my case, like I said, it's something that I thought you know I was a huge fan. I especially love Pride. Um, Pride is always, was my favorite. And I said, ah, if this, this, this wrestling thing doesn't work out, I'll give fighting a shot. And fortunately, wrestling did work out. And since then, uh, you know, I'm real competitive in jiu-jitsu. I train in uh, Gracie Baja Champions in Texas. whatever I'm out in California, Hannah uh, Gracie at the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Academy always invites me there. And I'm fortunate. It's really cool because uh, I am a, a professional wrestler and I'm known. Lots of doors are opened up for me. Hey, if you're ever in town, come by our school and train. So, you know, I've, I've been able to train with like Josh Barnett and just like That's amazing. Cool, right? people. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, you know that. Hey, come by and train. You know, I'm like, all right, yeah. So, <laughs> uh,
1: is that scary when you're like, I don't know if I'm at that skill level to well, train? Well, not because I
0: know that you know, I I know that they're going to take care of me. Gotcha. i not. Josh Barnett could break my leg thirty two different ways uh-huh. you know, in his sleep. You know? Right. Um I will say he is the heaviest son of a bitch I have <laughs> ever had an, uh, been uh, his his side control.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Man, it, when he took on Dean Lister at Metamoris. Dean Lister is a a, a, f- a famous jiu-jitsu guy in, in the world of grappling. And at that point, he hadn't been submitted uh and uh, like in a public uh, uh, an a public tournament in like well over 10 years. I want to say 17, I could be wrong. And Josh was on top of him for I'd say 17 of the 20 minutes. Josh was on top, and he was fighting from the bottom. And I think with like 13 seconds left, Josh got the submission. Wow! And, and uh, wow! It was, it was like the clock was running down. It looked like it was, might be a draw, but Josh pulled out the submission. But I'm thinking way before that, having trained with Josh and being in his side control and feeling how heavy he was, like. Dean Lister is one of the toughest sons of bitches I have ever seen because Josh, and and that's a, a funny point, going from pro wrestling where I instinctually trained myself to be as light as possible, to right. not be heavy on my partner, right, uh, to make that transition to real grappling where i am trying to be as heavy i don't want you to breathe i want to be as heavy i'm not working with you and that was a cool little transition point to have to unlearn some things that had become second nature to me
1: i would imagine it's just because like i've watched wrestling for so long it's just so much of my brain just always goes there whether it's sports or entertainment or whatever it is it's just that's the psychology that i lend myself to and that's what i think especially when somebody like cm punk says, I'm leaving It's like, you know, one of the great successful yep. pro wrestlers says, I'm going to go over to MMA, and there's like all these things, not only, I didn't even think about, you know, just the, the, the way, but I'm thinking like, uh, just the thinking that when you're a pro wrestler, you're supposed to get beat up some of the time, whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, it's not going to work with the audience if you don't get beat up half the time, <laughs> right, and on that yeah, note... Right. The fact that you're even paying attention to the audience because you're putting on a show. Right, right. You're and listening when, to the audience. Right. Trying to solicit certain reactions. Yeah. And when you're fighting, 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 you're in there and number one, you're not, spo- you're not putting on a show. So you're not supposed to be paying attention to the audience. And you're not supposed to get any. You're, not, you're supposed to get all offense in if you can.
0: And, and if you do put on a show, you could become Anderson Silva.
1: True. I mean, if you're good enough, if you if you're good, if you're enough good enough that you can put that you on can a show, put on a show. Because I would never. That's
0: the risk you run, you
1: know? and that's and that's what. It, while Anderson Silva was pissing off so many MMA purists, yeah. As a wrestling guy, I was like, no, no, no. This is it. This is what. That's that's the guy when he's sitting there just like, kind of avoiding for three rounds or five oh, rounds when he or whatever. Took that one it was shot. And,
0: and got rocked, and you know which ended up getting him knocked out when he tried to mock and like, oh yeah, I'm right. a woozy. Bam,
1: go to sleep. And that's like, what you watch for. Ooh, that's what you watch for. Do you do you have any? Have you seen Punk at all since he's been training? Uh, I have
0: not. Uh, no, I have not seen him, but uh, I, ch- I check up on him period- periodically. And as a matter of fact, I asked him. Uh, I asked him if he's been able to take down Ben Askren yet. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Hell no!" But I give him hell taking me down. And I said, all right. <laughs> that is. counts
1: for a lot. Are you optimistic about his future in MMA?
0: Well, you know, it's funny. I was just in the hallway and I was talking about uh, Dave Batista when he went to fight.
1: Right. He
0: he won his first fight. The guy that he fought was uh, he he took the fight on two weeks' notice mm-hmm. because the previous guy something happened. I think he got arrested or something, and uh, he was a a fat, sloppy looking guy. Mm-hmm. By appearance, you look at the guy and you think, oh, look at this fat slob. Right. But the guy had over 40 professional fights. I want to say he was like 22 and 19 or something like that, you know. So he was about 50 50,
1: mm-hmm. but he's
0: had 40
1: fights. He's been there. He knows. 40 times. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like that's his home. And
0: he's one half.
1: Right. 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 <laughs> this was Dave's first fight.
0: Wow, and he won at forty. I want to say Dave took that fight when he was forty-three, forty-four. Maybe. And so, what do you
1: credit that to? Just, the, just, just, just the, the the desire to be like, no, I'm here to prove myself. He I'm- trained
0: with some of the best, uh-huh. and uh, he took no days off. He pushed himself to the limit. He didn't complain, and at, for him. You know, he was able to, and he said, I was there, I saw it. I thought, man, when that first overhand right caught him, and like I'm like, oh, man, please, Dave, oh, man. I thought I thought Dave was going down. And he was able to collect himself, hit a double leg, take the dude's back, and they you know, stopped it because uh, uh, the dude covered up, and Dave was just, you know, pretty wailing away with punches, and he won, mm-hmm. round and pound. He got him. So, as I understand it, Dana White said that when Punk's first fight Comes up, he's not going to put him in there with a guy with forty fucking fights. You know, he's going to put him in there with a guy that's one and oh. One I think I, I
1: just read like literally a day or two ago, and I might be wrong, that he's going to be uh, fighting an Ultimate Fighter show winner. Okay. Yeah, that, he, that there's going to be a reality show. Uh, uh, okay, I hadn't heard that. Th- okay. th- that's I and I, I I believe that I just read the article like maybe two days ago. Uh, well, um, which again, and, and those are young guys. Sure, yeah. You know.
0: But, you know, it, 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 I guess it would also depend on how long that guy's been fighting and how long he's been training. And, but it, it just seems to me that just standing in the hallway, mm-hmm. you know, said, oh, yeah, when CM Punk fights, I, I'm going to be there. Right. So it's a win win because Punk's going to make a lot of money, UFC's going to make a lot of money. You're going to get lots of eyes on the product that right. haven't been on the product before. Everybody wants to see how how he's going to do. The haters want to see him get knocked out, his fans want to see him win. And I say what if he does win?
1: Right. I mean, you that's know? the best case scenario. What, what, if, if, he what if he does? Win. There's or, two ways it could or go. What if
0: he loses, but he doesn't get knocked out or submitted? Right. What if he loses a decision? You know what? You know.
1: I mean, yeah, theoretically, you know, the guy is going to end up having about a year and a half of pretty hardcore training. He was training before that you know, as a mm-hmm. hobby. He knew what he was getting into mm-hmm. when he got into it. You have to believe that he's not going to go in there and get completely humiliated. Like you have to believe on – I don't believe that that's going to happen. I wouldn't yeah, think so
0: I either. No, nah, I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, as
1: long as he doesn't get humiliated, and I don't think he will, that's at least two – giant fights, including the first one, if not beyond.
0: I know that, you know, like I said, Punk, me and I do wrestling in front of 20 drunk Mexicans at a bar (laughs) at FIP in, in Crystal River, Florida, over a decade ago. And, you know, there were moments when he and I would joke about it, you know, where... We just had a big crash and burn at the WrestleMania ladder match, and we're laying there on the floor looking at each other going, long way from Crystal River,
1: huh? Mm. <laughs> and having that moment.
0: There's several times, and we would have that and be like, hey, buddy, long way from Crystal River, right? Yeah. Um, I know his tenacity, and I know his spirit, and I know his level of dedication when he's committed to something. And I I, I think people are, you know, the people who want to see him fail, I think, are going to be in for a disappointment. And Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to be the UFC champion anytime soon, but uh, I I think a lot of people might be surprised just because I know it, how he comes at things, you know, his his attention to detail and his level of dedication. And that counts for a lot. And sometimes, you know, it, it, it just comes down to who wants it more hmm And, you know, he's got a lot to prove. Yeah. He's got a lot to prove. He's got a lot riding on this. And he's the kind of guy to say, hey, he's, hey, motherfucker, hey, remember me? Look, right. Look, he's that guy. And that's
1: kind of been him yeah. every step of Always. the way. That's probably one of the reasons why he left wrestling because he didn't have that thing anymore where he was like, I got something to prove. He, he's like, I did it, and now I'm just feeling like I'm getting jerked around. Yeah. So let me go prove something else. Um you were talking about Batista a minute ago, and I want to go back to what you are saying in the beginning about him kind of having your back and mm-hmm. saying to Vince, you know, we got to change this. When you and Batista go to Vince McMahon and say, look, this is wrong. The result of this is wrong. We need to change it this way. How does Vince McMahon respond to something like that? Does he like people coming up to him with their own ideas, or is it oh, something absolutely. like this could be bad? No,
0: no, 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 no. Vince – you know, Vince is hard, and but I'd have to say more often than not, he, he's fair, and a lot of the you know that a lot of the stuff that we did with MVP, um, it was stuff that I had a lot of input in. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I created the character, and you know, I I
1: pitched it to them. I mean, there's, that's why you still get you. There's the yeah. two people who get to use their name, <laughs> and you're one of them.
0: Yeah. So, um, <laughs> You know, they, it was cool because uh, there was a point when I had an open door invitation to Vince's office and really, Oh yeah. Yeah. Vince, anytime, you know, lots of times I would go to Vince and, uh, say Vince, I had this idea and I was wondering what you thought about this. And at that point, you know, I was in, I was uh, in the good graces, if you will. Right. So Vince would either say, Oh, that's a good idea, but let's do this with it. Or. Well, that's not a good idea and let me tell you why that's not a good idea. And Which is all you could ask for. Him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when when me and Matt Hardy were were doing our our, our feud, mm-hmm. most of that was our stuff. Mm-hmm. Me, you know, Matt would call me up, hey Vince, what do you think of this? Or I'd call Matt, hey Matt, what do you think of this? And we would go and pitch it to Vince together. As a matter of fact, I remember one day there was a a lion outside of Vince's office, some uh you know, an, an agent, a couple uh some other talent, a few uh Assistant director, and was that a
1: regular have, thing that people would line up yeah, outside? Show people everybody everybody I'd talk the line, everybody
0: gets Everybody needs to speak to him and needs his approval or something. And Matt and I had walked up, and this was like in the thick of the MVP Matt Hardy tag team "I'm better than you" thing. And uh, we had earned credit with Vince because we'd come to him with some good ideas that were working really well. And there was a line, and we walked up. and We went, "Whoa, is this is this a line to to see Vince?" And everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah, we're here waiting." Like, "Oh, wow." And Vince just happened to open the door, stick his head out. And uh, Matt and I were about to take our place. And Vince goes, Matt, MVP, (laughs) ha come on in here, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I just jumped the whole line. And everybody on the line is like, (laughs) nothing. And, you know, so if if Vince likes a guy with balls, and if you go to him and you take charge of your career and say, hey, Vince, this is how I feel, he might not agree with it. And, you know, the presentation counts for a lot, too, I'm sure. But uh, if, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil.
1: Now, and, and I, it takes a lot of confidence, though, to make that move when you go in and go, okay, he said I had, he said come by and see him anytime. So I'm actually going to do that. I think a lot of people, mm-hmm. from somebody like Vince, he goes, come by and see me anytime. Oh, okay, Mr. McMahon. He's an intimidating and never, figure. And they never yeah, go. And
0: Vince is an intimidating figure. He is. I mean, especially if you're a young aspiring professional wrestler, and your life is in this man's hands. You know, right. All your hopes and dreams and aspirations are in this man's hands. Did,
1: so, he, did you ever pitch him anything that he was like, that's horrendous?
0: No, nothing that he ever said was horrendous. He right. never, nothing that he ever thought was bad. But there are a few things that he said, you know, that that I don't like that, and here's why, or that doesn't work, and here's why. But there was never anything – that he thought was horrendous, like
1: just like looking at you, like you had four heads. Like that, yeah, that, not, that makes no sense whatsoever. Although it was
0: funny when I had to explain to him what the whole balling thing, like he had no clue.
1: Because that was when like Jim Jones and everything was right, big. Yeah, so that people were uh, balling. Yeah,
0: we fly, high, no <laughs> lie, and it, it fit perfect with the character and right. you know the whole thing. because so, your
1: character was an athlete who would be balling the basketball, yeah, exactly. Yes. You
0: know, so and uh, Vince. Took me on the ramp one day and he says, All right. And you gotta see this. And for those of you that are actually gonna watch this, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna act this out. For oh, you. good, good, good. Vince pulls me to the side, he says, MVP, uh, I wanna talk to you. Yeah, when you're when you're doing that that balling thing, I want you to, before you do it, I want you to dribble the ball. <laughs> this is how he's moving, I want you to dribble the ball. And then like go between your legs and, and then you, you shoot and you go, ha, that's three. That's three. <laughs> yeah, just you know, and then I I said, Vince, um, Vince obviously never played basketball.
1: And he's, he's doing it in his, like, yeah. in his slacks the oh, whole time. No, oh, he's got time. his suit on and yeah. his, his hard-bottom
0: shoes, you know.
1: He's loving it. And
0: I said, Vince, it um, really doesn't have anything to do with basketball in a literal sense. Right. And Vince looked at me, and I said, Vince, let me explain. It's, it's you know, the, the slang nowadays— Guys who are bat who are ball players, football players, bat they make big money. Right. So they live a ballers lifestyle. So anybody that makes big money, oh man, he's a baller. I said Vince, you're a baller. Limousines, private jet, you're a baller. Oh I didn't know that. Okay, well then keep doing it your way. <laughs>
1: Which is which is great that you could break it down. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, like well, he learned something new. Right, well, since so you put it like, well, you know, let's let's be realistic. Yeah, Vince is
0: seventy years old now. Yeah, so that, that we're talking, he was in his early sixties. Mm-hmm. He lives in his mansion. Mm-hmm. He rides in his limousine, mm-hmm. his corporate jet, mm-hmm. his office. I mean, in terms of pop culture, yeah, I'm sure there are people around him that plug him into to so much, but you know. There are certain things that Vince Vince doesn't know who's hot in hip hop. Right. Vince can't Vince can't tell you the difference. Vince probably doesn't know the difference between Sean Paul and Jim Jones. You put them <laughs> side by side, All right? Vince, which is which? He wouldn't know, right? And and I think that I, for a long time, if you've noticed WWE, it seems like they uh, they almost neglected that segment of the audience.
1: Like that hip-hop?
0: Well, have you ever heard hip-hop used for any of the pay-per-view songs?
1: Like, for, you know, the official song or whatever, you know. I mean, they went on a long stretch of Nickelback, and it was like, <laughs> guys, <laughs> yeah. guys, what are we doing? And,
0: yeah, you never, you know, and I mean, I remember they had Timberland one side, the, the Divas did a song or whatnot. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, I think there's just, you know, like a, a certain cultural ignorance mm-hmm. that, that was just in place. And... If there's no one to come up and say, hey, Vince, hey, you know, this is, uh, you know, the, the, the Puerto Rican style and the slang that we use. Sure, or, sure. You know, someone to explain the cultural relevance of something, then I could see how he'd be naive and not know.
1: Yeah, there's nobody within that culture who kind of lives it at least somewhat to tell him how would he know?
0: Well, hell, man, I like uh Patrice O'Neal got fired, so, you know, he's... Uh, <laughs> right, he yeah. had
1: three days of an education from Patrice. <laughs>
0: he figured it out real quick, like, nah, the same for me, you know.
1: That was my favorite. I mean, he only had three... Uh, Patrice, like, loved pro wrestling. So, I mean, he would... Sit and he would watch all the time. And every every time he would come in and do the show, he would walk in, and then he'd wait till the commercial break, and he'd be slouched back in his chair, and he'd look at me, and he'd go... And he just starts shaking his head. And I'm like looking at him I'm like, what are you shaking your head at? And he go, man, wrestling stinks. And he starts <laughs> going over everything wrong with it and everything they're doing wrong. And, I mean, he was always thinking of, like, other things he could do. And he, he had, like, a whole – when he went in, he had, like, a whole storyline for Big Boss Man. And he, he, he would tell this story about, like, his first day. They were in a hotel. And uh, there was, like, some writer's meeting and he was there early, so he went upstairs to the suite that Vince was in. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I, I, "He he go, he's the first one there, and he knocked on the door. And Vince opened it. Naked, robe on, but open. <laughs> Patrice! <laughs> come on in! <laughs> just, welcome, oh. welcome to the circus. <laughs> Looking vascular, pal! <laughs> <laughs> so... Did you kind of did you stay in Vince's good graces throughout, or at any? Point oh no, did... no, I, yeah,
0: I got I got kicked out of the car. Yeah, I, I, <laughs>
1: how got, did that happen?
0: You know, that's it's it's weird, man. There's there's a culture there. You, you know, in the business, there's heat, sure. And you watch WWE. You've seen guys. You know, they, they get the rocket ship push. Yeah, there's no pushes at WWE. We give opportunities, right? And you know, so you've seen guys get opportunities <laughs> that suddenly disappear, right? Um. To this day, I don't know. Wow! I, um, I know there was one incident where I cussed out the piss test guy,
1: but okay, so that know, probably didn't well, shine. I know it, you know, it
0: got me in trouble, but you know, uh,
1: to the uh, point where it would take you out yeah, of good it graces, would, you know, destroy
0: my career. Hey, I don't know. Uh, you know, I just I, I fell out of the good graces, and you know, at one point, it's funny because Alice Greenfield, who I do a podcast with now for MLW, uh-huh. he uh, he was head writer for SmackDown. And, you know, after he left not too long after, and we were talking, and he was telling me how, uh, you know how there were plans for me to go against Kennedy at Summerslam for the world title and all this stuff. That I'm like, really? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> really? So I, you know. So at one point, yeah, there were really big plans. And you know, there's a long list of guys we can go down. That at one point you could tell. I mean, was... Kennedy's.
1: Uh, isn't it crazy that you could take like somebody like Mr. Kennedy, who was a big WWE guy for for a second, but like the idea of a Mr. Kennedy MVP world title match exists in this other sort of realm of reality. And <laughs> yeah, then if this, you go on a port, uh, portal,
0: alternate universe and there's an
1: alternate universe where you could go, Oh, cause there was a moment where if you had gone that way, you could see that. Well, kind if that's of, the
0: case in, in that alternate universe, and then, then Kennedy went on to be Austin esque and I went on to become rock esque and, and then become... we had the, the WrestleMania <laughs> match of all time. Of course. That, yeah. Of
1: course. Uh,
0: but you know, it was weird because at that time, you remember Kennedy was on SmackDown mm-hmm. and he was in the main event with Undertaker and Batista. And, you know, he was, he was being groomed. Mm-hmm. He was going to be that guy. And he got drafted to Raw and Raw it was the place where SmackDown stars went to die. <laughs> he just, right. I think he, he lost a uh, super crazy his first night or something Oof. like that. You know, I got drafted to Raw, debuted United States champion against Randy Orton. We had a great two segment match. And uh, a few weeks later, I was in a program with William Regal that, went nowhere and then after that I was in a tag team with uh Mark Henry for a while and just nothing really happened. Right. And and then let me say this I want to be very clear because whenever I do talk about that you always got the flat scans that you know just want to uh, extrapolate their their own interpretation of of what I'm saying. I had a great time at WWE. Um and and I've often told the story the very first vignette that I shot Vince came in afterwards he watched it and he said he, he told me loosen up. God damn it, I'm the only tight ass white guy in the room. <laughs> and that uh, made me laugh and he said, "Listen, loosen up, man. I'll give me MVP. I want MVP." He said, "I'm going to make you two promises right now. You're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to make a lot of money." He never promised me a WrestleMania main event. Right. He never promised me a world title run. He said I'd make a lot of money and I'd have a lot of fun and he kept those promises.
1: You did both those he things. He
0: did I did both those things, you know. And and so I'm not mad at Vince. Mm-hmm. I asked. I had a year left on my deal, and I asked to be released. And uh, I expressed, hey, man, I want to go wrestle in Japan. My dream is to wrestle in Japan. WWE was a goal. Japan was my dream. I achieved my goal. I wanted to go live my dream. And uh, they said, hey, you know, the door is open when you want to come back. You know." And, and it was really cool because Johnny Ace was the one that I talked to about it. And he said, hey, look, he goes to Japan. He's only going to get better. He's gone for a year or two. He comes back. You know, it's it's an investment in him that we don't have to pay for that's good for us. Mm-hmm. So uh, <clears throat> that was, you know, my, my farewell. All right. Hey, Vince, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. You know, and, and it I was went, cool and it was great. Every, yeah, there was no animosity. No, I just asked and I explained, hey, this is what I'd like. And they said, OK. And uh, then after going to Japan and, and just, you know, living my dream over there, it was good. I, just, I loved it so much. I decided that. I just wanted to do different things. And and there's no animosity with WWE. I, I have no ill will towards them. They were just in Houston. I stopped by and hung out at the show and said, what's up? And everybody was great. Talked to Stephanie. Talked to Hunter. Everything was fine. Uh, I have no... And, and I tell people... You know, there are people that come up to me and will say, man, MVP, you were supposed to be a world champion, man. You were supposed to be a world champion. And, and if you ask Alex Greenfield, yeah, I was. You know? <laughs>
1: but, uh, He's just the writer. What does he know? Yeah, yeah he he would not know.
0: But, um... You know, I, I use this analogy. You know, I, I was just out of prison, a few years out of prison. You know, trying to, uh, Society wouldn't give me a minimum wage job. Right. But Vince McMahon gave me an opportunity to become an international celebrity and make more money than both of my parents have made in their lives combined. Wow. So uh, what do I have to be bitter about? Nothing. You know? And, 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 and uh, the analogy that I use is if you're starving mm-hmm. and you come to me and ask me to feed you, And I give you a plate of meatloaf and some mashed potatoes and, you know, uh, some green beans and a a glass of Kool-Aid. And I say, here you go. And I'm sitting at another table and I'm eating caviar, filet mignon and lobster and champagne. You can't be upset with me for not feeding you what I'm eating.
1: Right. You're not starving any less.
0: Yeah. I I just fed you a good, healthy meal. You're you're eating. You're doing well. I'm not obligated to give you what I'm eating. And I think sometimes people feel like, you know, well, I didn't, you know, I should have got that. I would have liked to have eaten at the table. I would sure. have liked to have been in the golden circle. But you got your roast beef. But yeah, you know, and I, yeah, I was gonna say I didn't, I didn't get a a a loaf You know, I actually, yeah, I actually, you know, I you know I didn't get filet mignon, but I had a pretty good ribeye.
1: Right. You know? Right. Totally. Totally. And uh, before I let you get out of here, I want to know. Cause I'm very curious about this because you came in here, must have been like last time we talked on air for something it was the wrestling interview which you can see on youtube it was you and it was three of your best friends in wrestling named loki samoa joe and uh homicide and it was when you guys the were Wu-Tang all
0: tang of pro wrestling
1: right you named yourselves the wu-tang of pro <laughs> yeah, wrestling joe coined the
0: phrase that right. day, yeah
1: right it's... and uh and you guys were in tna at the time which is the i guess as much of a competitor to wwe yeah, there's is is. no competition
0: right they're, they're, they're uh and I don't even say that to be mean or, you know, to, to take the piss out of them, but WWE has no competition. Right. You, know, they, you, you can have alternatives too, but right. there's no competition.
1: So I, what I'm curious about, though, is I go to a show at the Hammerstein, and all of a sudden, and I know because you saw me there going, what the fuck just <laughs> happened? Like TNA creates this uh, group. And it's you guys that were in the interview. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, like, I created this group. This was your fault. You did this. But so, like, at that point, I'm like, this guy, MVP, gets to now be in this TV group with all his real-life friends. This has got to be amazing. How come you left TNA? I felt like you'd be there forever as long as you were working with your friends.
0: My friends were gone.
1: They, they left. You said they left first.
0: <laughs> Joe left, Right. and then Low Key left.
1: <laughs> and, okay. and then
0: homicide was kind of like you know I'm I'm pretty banged up and I, I you know uh, you know I, I'll say this about my experience with TNA and I think it's very important to be said. Um, I spent a year and a half at TNA and you know there are times that I'll take some shots at the company mm-hmm. after having parted because uh, I, no we didn't part on the best of terms mm-hmm. as a matter of fact to be honest we didn't part on good terms mm-hmm. um I won't go into the specifics of it but I will say that uh when I do on occasion make jokes or take shots at TNA at no time is it ever Directed at the talent because those are some of the hardest working sons of bitches in the business right those men and women in the TNA locker room they put out uh, We'd be there in Orlando shooting, you know, two sometimes three episodes a day You know five six days in a row if not more you'd have guys working two and three matches a day, right? At um, the, the production crew, you know the, everybody works hard and the Issue that I had and that I have is with certain decisions that were made by management that I thought were uh, less than ideal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I pick my words here, so um,
1: you're talking about like TV character wise?
0: Uh, just certain things that were done, some decisions that were made that uh, I thought were, uh, at, you know, because. In, in the world of wrestling usually when you leave there's always the uh the, the confidentiality so you got to be careful what you say so as not to get yourself in some sort of uh a legal situation. Sure. So I I'm, I'm not exactly sure what I can and can't say <laughs> but I'll just say that uh I in my opinion certain people in managerial roles at TNA leave a lot to be desired. And that's the reason why TNA is in the situation it's in right now. They've been around for 13 years. At this point, they should be a solid mm-hmm. secondary alternative to WWE, well in the black. Um, but they're not. Uh, they were on Spike, mm-hmm. which was paying them a significant amount of money for their programming. Mm-hmm. And then they got canceled off of Spike, in spite of the fact that they had very good numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they ended up on Destination America where they were getting significantly less money. Right. Um, and then they got canceled off of two networks in less than a year. And now they're on pop TV. So from a business standpoint, where, I mean, this is just business one one What leverage do you have to negotiate for a new contract that's going to be lucrative? Yeah. And, and in this case, I don't know the specifics of the deal. Um, I heard somebody, you know, the the, the I guess the, one of the executives from Pop TV came out and said, "No, they're not paying us for TV time because there was a rumor going around that they were paying for TV time." He didn't say that they were paying them either,
1: so it could just be, "All right, we'll put you on." And well,
0: what I'm I, and again, this is speculation, sure, but I would venture because. TNA has uh, they from what I understand they did a huge deal in India with with Sony six or something okay um, and they they have a few international deals in place well without an Ameri- without an American TV presence
1: those international have... deals go away exactly right
0: so they had to be and pop TV is in more homes in Destination America uh, what I'm guessing and I have no idea I don't have any inside information um, I'm wondering if they're not doing some sort of ad revenue sharing thing or something you know like sure time, sure yeah know, uh you know you get a certain percentage and we get the rest that's just speculation on my part i have no idea whatsoever but um i do know that you can't negotiate for more money <laughs> <you know? laughs> <Right>. and <laughs> and, I, and and i want to be very clear that I want TNA to succeed. I'm not one of these idiots that's on the internet saying, oh, why don't they just die already? Why don't they just go away? That's ridiculous, man. Yeah. If you're a professional wrestling fan, I don't understand rooting for the demise of a company. You got people that are feeding their, their families there. You got people that work there. You know, if, For anyone that would call for the demise of TNA, imagine if somebody said, hey, man, you know, I, I hope your office shuts down and they eliminate your whole department you know, right. because I don't like the way you type those reports or something. It's just really, man. Just that's so I want to see TNA do well. It's good for the boys. It's good for the business. It's good for the fans. But unfortunately TNA just has had a track record where they just, seem to always get in their own way and when i first got there you know i was like okay man you know i really want to try to help this out let's do something and you know right and and it was weird because guys were like oh yeah you're new (laughs) (laughs) right and there you know there are a few people that said yeah 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 you're all shiny new that'll go away really and after a while you you see the frustration you know And, and and there's no lack of passion on the talent's part i just think that uh like I said, there are some certain people in, in key managerial positions that are just serial bad decision makers. And unfortunately, everybody suffers as a result.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, you know who hasn't suffered? Me and my listeners. Oh, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. Because I've had you here for over an hour. I'll release you. I'll let you. got your, You got your suitcase. You got your gear bag. <laughs> I
0: haven't even booked a hotel. I got to go book a hotel. I got <laughs> to figure a out where to sleep. Yeah, I
1: got to go. If you need a couch in Westchester, let me know. I can hook <laughs> yeah. it up. Um, you could follow MVP on Twitter.
0: Yeah, at the three hundred five MVP. Yep. Uh, Instagram. I'm a truly underscore MVP. Um, my podcast, yes. which I, I fell into, and I I made it a point. I said, I absolutely do not want to do a wrestling podcast. And, uh, Ed, and Ed Ferrara and Ed Ferrara and Alex Greenfield and myself were invited to do. A, uh, MLW episode about Mad Max Fury Road because we're all big Mad Max fans and it did so well that people were like I'd love to hear you and Greenfield do something again and uh, yeah, I'll do it and just kind of fell into it so it's the VIP Lounge podcast mm-hmm. on MLW radio and uh, it's the wrestling podcast not about wrestling
1: there it is so everybody can enjoy it.
0: Yeah, well, we, we, get our, you know, we get a little wrestling in there, but right. uh, we talk about pop culture, social issues, current events, what, just whatever comes to mind. You know, we, yeah. we, I make sure that uh, Alex Greenfield, that he'll have a drink, and I'll make sure you can hear that, the glasses, ting, uh, the
1: ice cubes tingling
0: in the glass. You know, I'm having some scotch, and, <laughs> and life is good. So, yeah, check that out.
1: Well, listen, MVP, let me know next time you're in uh, New York randomly. You decide. (laughs) Just swing through. Come back here anytime. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, having me. It was an
0: absolute pleasure as always. Excellent. Good to see you. Uh, Congratulations on all your success,
1: man. Thanks, man. And we will be back. Here is Sam Roberts. Always good to talk to MVP. Honest, forthcoming, good stories. Loved it. Loved it. And like I said, tweet him and tell him whether his or my Vince McMahon impression Is better. Uh, Also, what you should be doing is treating yourself to a holiday goodie in the form of a t-shirt. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. Get yourself a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Not Sam, What's the Haps? Whatever t-shirt you want, just pick it up for yourself. All proceeds go to me, so it's for a good cause. uh, And uh, people will think you're cool because you'll have the shirt. Now, it's time for Katie Linendoll to step inside the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast doors and make her presence known as she now joins me in the state of wrestling to talk all things NXT. Monday Night Raw from this week, uh, everything that's going on. Let's go to it. It's state of wrestling time. Howard Finkel, show him how it's done. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Welcome to the state of wrestling. Here we are. Katie Linendoll is here. No music queued up this time. It's about time. Hey, oh, boy.
2: Hey, baby. Well, Bailey. I want to know. You are supposed to do the ooh-ah, dude. You had one job.
1: Well, you were supposed to say, hey, Bailey. That's what they said. Not baby. No, I Bailey. know
2: that. I know that. You well, know
1: what? You screwed it up it first. Like a well, it's
2: a horrible start.
1: That's <sighs> because of you. Horrible start. All right, I'll take some responsibility. Hey, 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 Bailey, who, ha, I I want to know know if you'll you'll be be my my girl. girl. It's great.
2: Happy holidays!
1: That's right. Happy holidays. Katie is, like, super excited because it's Christmas time. I'm
2: drinking lots of eggnog.
1: You are drinking lots of eggnog. It's too much birthday, but... It's never, never enough here on the State of Wrestling. I don't even know where to begin. I'll tell you one disappointment I had with the Slammy Awards last night. So much opportunity and not one tuxedo match. Where was where oh, was right. Howard Finkel and Harvey Whippleman? Right We've on. seen so many classic tuxedo matches. Right on. I honestly thought that the Dolph Ziggler-Kevin Owens uh, confrontation would turn into a tuxedo match. I think Dolph would be down for that, but it did not. It did not. Katie, what did you think of wrestling this week?
2: Wow. Well, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but we've kind of taken a sabbatical from talking all things NXT, and I feel like I would like to start with London.
1: I think that's exactly where we should start. Uh, This week, technically since the last podcast, it was last Wednesday, so we just missed it. And by the way, at the time of this recording... We have not seen SmackDown yet. We're taping this podcast right before the live SmackDown airs. Mm-hmm. So if anything catastrophic happens, not that it will, because it's SmackDown, uh, we won't know about it. But uh, last Wednesday, it was NXT TakeOver.
2: At, at Wembley Arena.
1: 10,000 strong. It's the
2: guy that, that buys the hamburgers for free. I,
1: I think that's uh, uh, <laughs> Wembley. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, such a fun show to watch. We watched it live at three o'clock in the afternoon here in the States. We did. Uh, some people have actually brought up and been a little critical of the timing of these things. They said, why not do this NXT show on a Saturday? That way, Americans would be home at three o'clock in the afternoon to watch it. You know, I kind of like the idea of doing these international shows and having them airing at odd times the way the Japan show was on at five o'clock in the morning on July 4th. This show is on three o'clock in the afternoon on a random Wednesday.
2: That's because you and I have the luxury of being like, oh, we we have a meeting. We're not available. But really, we're watching wrestling.
1: Well, that's our meeting. It's our business. It
2: is a business meeting.
1: But it makes it special, too. It makes it like because.
2: But think about the people that are stuck in corporate.
1: Well, I don't care about them. They made their choices in life. Mm. They decided to be corporate. They sold out. They They sold out. out. I think it makes it special to have it come on at a weird time. Uh, and it's going to be on demand Im- it's on demand immediately anyway. If you want to watch it Sunday at eight o'clock like a normal pay-per-view, that's fine. Turn your Twitter off for a couple of hours and just go home and watch it on demand in your time. That's it's not a problem. It's not like it takes them a week to get it up on demand. They get it on demand right after it's on. So I like when it's on like a random afternoon or five o'clock in the morning. I didn't get to watch the Japan show live. <laughs> Sam Roberts ain't waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning. No. Not unless he gets paid. Paid. But as soon as I woke up, I could just turn it on. And guess what? You know what the luxury there is? If there's a bum match, I can fast forward through it. There was no bum matches at the NXT show. But if there was, you can. I I just don't think that I, I think because it's on demand immediately. And let's be honest. We live in an on demand world that there's no reason to be stringent on what time these things are live in the States if they're international. And I just think that, I think it makes it actually feel more special and more international when it's on at such an odd time. Cause it really drives the point home that they are far away. Like this world that we're living in where everybody's still at work, mm-hmm. where they are, it's a totally different vibe. It's nighttime. Everybody's done with work. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. So I'm all for it. Um, and I had a blast watching it live. I would have had just as much fun watching it on demand. If you watch it on demand, just push play and put the remote far away from you so you can't fast forward anything. And it's like watching it live. It's the same thing.
2: But you're missing out on all the camaraderie on social.
1: I mean, I guess, but who's fucking tweeting, live tweeting NXT at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday? Well, we were. So dope, too. <laughs> tweeting out about Finn Babadook. Oh, loved it. <laughs> loved it. And he was definitely.
2: I walked into a cafe today in New York, and there was a Babadook book. You saw it. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was, oh, there.
1: do not shop at that cafe if there's a Babadook book. Why? That's where the Baba Duke comes from. The book. The Baba Duke leaves the book on your doorstep, no. and then you read no. the book, and then the Babadook haunts you. But it would haunt the cafe, not your place. So that's okay. But if you are going through your stuff later and you see a Baba Duke book uh, at your at your house, I'm
2: not scared. I got. I'm full of light.
1: All right. Well, just call me. Mm-hmm. Okay. 'Cause I'll take care of it.
2: Yeah, because you're really the answer to any of that.
1: I'm writing a movie called Baba Duke versus Krampus, but that's beyond that's besides the point. Uh it was so much fun to watch that show, and I think it really translated well to television. It did huge things for NXT because the just those British fans are such good wrestling fans. Incredible. Um You know, JR in his blog this week questioned. He didn't specifically say. He said he was still kind of struggling with it, but he questioned whether or not some of the placement of the chants that the fans were doing took away from wrestling. Meaning, so Bailey's trying to sell because you know what's her face has her in a hold or whatever. So as Bailey's trying to sell, the audience is chanting "Hey Bailey," and it kind of points out that what you're seeing in the ring is just a show. But I think that, like, the enthu- that level of enthusiasm and the fact that it lasted throughout the night only draws people in. And WWE is so into getting non-wrestling fans to watch the product. I mean, Michael Cole saying, WWE Network is like Netflix, and here's a trending topic. Like, that doesn't draw people in. If you're not a wrestling fan and you see, like, a crazy audience just going nuts over a show— You have to stop and watch it. Like, if I show my wife this NXT show, I'm like, you got to hear this chant. She'll watch it because it's like, you don't have to like wrestling to watch that chant. And then all of a sudden, you see something that draws your interest. And then, so I think it's, and you're like, oh, you know what? I'm kind of interested in this product that I thought I wasn't interested in.
2: I actually did come across that, um, JR saying that, and I didn't agree with it at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, it does, for a, Wrestling purist and traditionalist, it does disrupt the pacing of the match, but it's also, I mean, and I've said this, I say this every time and I will always say, you can never blame the audience for anything. It's a performer's job to control the audience. And if you lose control of the audience, then you're not doing your job as a performer. And that's a very, very difficult job, I understand, but it is what it is. Um, However, I don't think the audience is out of control. I think they were adding to the show. They made the show feel very, very special. They made the show feel unique. They made the show feel like a big deal. And it was like, now we feel like NXT is a global product. Because I heard a bunch of chants with British accents. I heard, (laughs) how you doing, chanted with a British accent. So I I, think it's great.
2: How did that sound?
1: How you... I can't do it.
2: You can do it. How you doing? (laughs) How, How you, you doing? doing? You know, it wasn't right.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so I thought, uh, and you can't teach that. that. Yeah, so I thought, it, I thought, I thought it was good. I thought, I mean, the audience was incredible. Um, I thought uh, watching, you know, I left wondering. A lot occurred to me at the show because the way NXT is set up is so interesting because. They have to place their titles so carefully because, like, you're watching Enzo and Cass, for instance. And, I mean, Enzo and Cass are more over than anyone on the whole show. It goes Finn and then Enzo and Cass as far as, you know, wrestlers in NXT who are over with the crowd. But at the same time, one would have to imagine that NXT officials and Triple H are aware that at any moment— Enzo and Cass could be called up to the main roster. I would have to imagine that that is one of the reasons why they don't have the tag team championship and why they have to be careful who gets what. Because I think in a lot of cases, like somebody like a Tyler Breeze, um, uh, even an Apollo Crews, I think there are a lot of guys, maybe the Ascension. I don't think NXT officials have any control over when an NXT superstar goes to the main roster. And so with that said, like, you can't just put your title on the most over guy because then your champions are just going to keep getting taken to the main roster. It's what happened with Page. It's what happened with Kevin Owens. You know, it keeps happening, and it's not good necessarily, I don't think, for the product if, you know, you end up like that because then you've got somebody who's now on the main roster who has to go back to NXT and lose because you can't vacate it every time. So, I, I, I was very intrigued in the kind of thinking about that because at the same time, maybe Enzo and Cass aren't on the main roster for months. Who knows for sure? But I mean, it's just, I think it's a challenge that NXT has.
2: I feel like the Enzo and Cass, though, I'm glad you brought that up. I feel like we haven't talked about them in a while or they haven't been in the spotlight for a while.
1: Well, Cass was injured for a while. Oh, was he? Yeah, so he was out for a little while.
2: How long was that? Well, it, was, it, was, it was
1: a good chunk of time, it was a couple of months. Oh, yeah. Cass was injured. He had a knee thing. Um, And like I said, I think that I think that they my personal opinion, I have no idea, but it seems like they can't put Enzo and Cass too deep into anything because they may get plucked out at any moment. Because you would have to think on that roster, the next people to go to the main roster would be Enzo and Cass. I mean, I don't know anybody who would or should go before them.
2: I think adding to that mix with right now, especially with Usos and Lucha and New Day would be incredible. Yeah, I think that brings in a much needed
1: If you could if you could do something Enzo and Cass versus New Day, you got promos for days. Oh man. Can you imagine?
2: It'd be great.
1: Enzo and Xavier going head to head on promos? Ridiculous. While Big E wiggles them hips in the background. I would love it. Love it. Uh, but I hope that like Vince McMahon, for instance, watched the NXT show in the UK to see what an impact Enzo and Cass are making and have the potential to make. I mean, and I think they, and, and it's just another example. It's like the Sasha Banks character. I feel like the Sasha Banks character, the Enzo and Cass characters, especially on NXT are so much more culturally relevant than a lot of what goes on on WWE TV. It's so much, it feels so much more now. It's so much hipper that I think it's very, very badly needed. Uh, And I would not be surprised to see those guys on the main roster soon.
2: I'll tell you what other match, if, if if you were done there. Yeah, sure. Which I loved, was uh, Asuka-Emma. Uh,
1: I mean, Asuka-Emma was amazing. I, I thought I, that
2: would just kind of be an average.
1: Yeah, but it, w- it was I, incredible. Asuka's not an average performer. She's exceptional. And
2: But I thought that match would just be average.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I think Emma's very underrated, too. And I, I think I think they're in-ring chemistry. I think you're right about that. I think that was really good. Um, and I, I that's another thing. I wonder, what's Asuka's future? Because I think Asuka has a a huge spot on the main roster. I think that they have nothing like her on the main roster. And it adds an element of seriousness to the women's division. And like I said last week, she's a a merchandising machine. So uh, I thought that was really good. Uh, You know, the world title match was good. I liked that in the end it was kind of like Finn didn't really feel like he had won. And was kind of knocked up a little bit. Um, I thought that was cool. Uh, it helps keep Samoa Joe strong and it leaves the possibility for a possibility for a rematch. I think they're doing a great job with titles at NXT. The world title does not get traded around much and every time a person gets a championship, it means something. Like, the tag team title was, they're like, okay, we have this opportunity to take a team and raise them to the next level. That's perfect for Dash and Dawson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enzo and Cass don't need it. Jordan and Gable are going to be huge. So they don't need the titles right now. They'll have them eventually, I think. But, I mean, they're going to be such big stars, especially Chad Gable. So I think that they're using the titles to bring up Dash and Dawson uh, is a good thing.
2: Flipping over from tags to main title, though, do you think Corbin defeating Paulo Cruz you know, I think, weight?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that was really done well. Because... I think what that does, I don't think it hurts Apollo Cruz because Apollo Cruz has plenty of victories and looked impressive enough, uh, but I think it gives Baron Corbin some much needed uh, credibility. I think it makes Baron Corbin very quickly a very serious contender. I think he really needs to get a hold of his character because I think we said it a few months back, Baron Corbin, remember that promo that he shot uh, right before the Barclays takeover? Yes. When he was hateable Baron Corbin. When he was like, I don't need to be here. A lot of these guys work their their, their asses off to get here. I got a phone call. That guy. That guy is the guy who Baron Corbin needs to be 24 hours a day. And there's elements of that. He's not a likable guy.
2: A lot of these guys wrestled for hot dogs.
1: Right. Not me. That's perfect. Like, take the story, because that's every good guy's story in NXT. I travel the world. I wrestle for hot dogs. I did this. Baron Corbin's the guy who's coming and he's like, no, no, no. I'm just here to beat all those guys. And it's so dislikable that that has the potential to really work, I think, if he can really get his hands on that character. And it's a a beautiful character. It's perfect. Uh, So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that match up because I thought that was really important for the career of Baron Corman.
2: How about the explosion in the push, the huge push, Nia Jax?
1: Yeah, uh, I think Nia Jax looks amazing. Uh, I think they've really found something special with her in that category. She's pretty athletic. Um we
2: say she looks like or is in the future?
1: Awesome Kong? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely rem- uh Karma. She's definitely reminiscent of Awesome Kong, but bigger. Like she's t- way taller. Awesome Kong was not a tall is not a tall woman. Um she's just sub- uh, substantial. She's intimidating. I think Nia Jax needs to go to the Roman Reigns school. Well, the school that Roman Reigns also needs to go to, which is the school of stop smiling and joking around and just growl, just be mean, you know, and that's how it's going to work. You know, I don't her smiling her like it, I don't want there to be any hint of, oh, she's actually fun and lovable on the inside. Like, no, she needs to be a, a, a scumbag on the inside. You know what I mean? She needs to be evil on the inside. And if that's the case, then I think I think she's got a huge, huge, huge potential to succeed. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, And, 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 yeah, I think, uh, I mean, once again, I mean, what can you say about NXT other than it keeps getting more and more successful? And they're, and they're building new stars. You know, Dash and Dawson is an example, but they're building, Dash and Dawson, Apollo Crews comes in. uh, The women's division is still expanding. So they, NXT is doing really, really, really well. And they're doing the right things. You know, you have to wonder. What the transition process is to the main roster because, you know, if we can move to Raw last uh, this week, the Slammy Awards, it really hit me when I was watching the Breakout Star Award. You know, Neville, yeah, he's, he's good, but he was NXT champion of the world. Like, he was the guy in NXT. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's Neville. He does the flips. You know, Tyler Breeze, is he really making an impact? Is he... You know, as a Tyler Breeze fan, do you think Tyler Breeze is making an impact? He's not. It's not Tyler's fault. He's just not making an impact right now. I think he can. He's not making an impact right now. And I was going through and watching all the guys that came from NXT. And it's like even the Wyatts. Like the Wyatts. They. I'm, I'm glad they're winning again, by the way. So I'm not. I'm not on my Wyatt bandwagon. I think they're still doing a good job with them. But they're not this dominating scary force at the moment. And so
2: getting better, though,
1: they are getting better and they're doing good with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is the one guy from NXT Mm. that WWE is doing good with. Um, Maybe Kalisto is the exception. Kalisto and Kevin Owens are the only ones from NXT that they're really treating fairly. I mean, people don't remember. I mean, maybe they do. Maybe the people listen to this podcast do. The Ascension was the most feared team on the NXT roster. Like they just ate people. And now they're a joke, you know, and so I you do have to wonder regardless of who it is. You know, if that transition.
2: And then I don't think you can include the girls in this because it's not That's a totally different. category. Yeah,
1: I mean, it is because the girls weren't being treated well that were already on the main roster. But. Yeah, you know, I mean,
2: because you could say Sasha and Charlotte have been put over huge.
1: Well, Charlotte. I don't know about... I, Sasha's won some good matches. I guess that's true. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, the women's division, I think they're kind of... The idea was to completely change the division. Whereas, Different category. Exactly. Whereas yeah. the men's division was just like, okay, let's let's keep this train moving. And they seem to be relying on older parts of the train uh, still. That said, uh, what did you think of Raw?
2: We have one more question for
1: yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So
2: what do you think of... Now, every single big pay-per-view seems to be trailed by a big NXT show. Do you think there's going to be some more crossover or no?
1: No. I think that it's just like if it's a pay-per-view that people travel for and people are in town to see wrestling.
2: Just makes sense.
1: Yeah. I think people will go see the NXT show too. I think if it's a Royal Rumble where people are coming from out of town, they're making a weekend of it. It's like, okay, good. Now we can make a weekend of it because there's an extra show in town. Same with – uh you know, SummerSlam and WrestleMania. I think it makes sense, but I don't think. Yeah, no, I don't think that, that means there'll be crossover because all they would do. You
2: still don't agree with me that there should be, say, in the Rumble, one number should go to NXT.
1: I mean, it could. I don't think it matters. No, I don't think I don't because they've done it before and it didn't matter. Like they did it for Bo Dallas and Bo Dallas went right back to NXT and didn't debut for another year.
2: Hmm.
1: You know what I mean? So I do, and that's another one. <laughs> Bo Dallas was the guy in NXT. And now he's, a great
2: example. you know,
1: relegated to what he's relegated to.
2: Santa Claus.
1: Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I just don't... I think it'd be fun to see somebody from NXT if, like, Enzo and Cass come out in the Royal Rumble. Okay, but it just doesn't do anything. And it means that they're guaranteed to lose their debut match.
2: Yeah, I'm mean, right? looking at, like, the Hideo in WrestleMania. Right, like, did, that, did, did that, that do anything? anything?
1: Not really. Like, it made for, I guess, good NXT programming. Because, oh, so... But... NXT is at this weird spot where even though they're not at all coming across as bigger than WWE, they're coming across as nichier, cooler. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like if you play it the right way without being disrespectful to the product, they can have this vibe of, yeah, no, we like it here. We don't need to go to the main roster. I mean, we talked to Finn Balor on the podcast last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. And he said that he doesn't want to go to the main roster right now. You know what I mean? He does... And and when NXT was created, the only reason it was created was to feed the main roster. And now it's like guys are like, I don't know. It's kind of... It's kind of good where I'm at. So especially with... Now in 2016, they're traveling. I don't know if you saw this, but they announced a whole bunch of dates. They're going to Chicago. They're going all over the place uh, and doing full, full-on road touring. Uh, so, you know, I don't know... How badly the NXT guys want that main roster shine at the moment. Not to say they're not motivated, not to say they're not guys who want the most eyes possible, but just to say, is it that valuable based on what's going on on the main roster right now? Like, isn't there some work that needs to be done on the main roster before we look at that and say, that's the spot? We even, last time we talked to Tyler Breeze before he got signed up, he was like, it's kind of the it's kind of the the default NXT answer is look we all dream about going to WrestleMania but there's something going on in NXT right now mm-hmm. you know that's that and that's politically correct so if that's the politically correct answer where the implication is that they want to stay at NXT for a little while longer you can imagine what the real thought is
2: well and once you make that crossover too it's like the, going the, from middle school to high school you're not coming back down
1: no you can't so
2: you might as well enjoy it while it lasts
1: yeah. You can't come back down without it feeling like a downgrade, uh, and there's there's just a lot of not successful people that go to the main roster right now, you know, and it's not necessarily their fault. It's just it's a weird time for WWE now. Some people, I, I you know, I always read my Twitter feedback and stuff like that. Some people were bored by the Slammy Award episode of Raw. I thought it was a pretty typical holiday episode of Raw. wasn't bad, but nothing happened. Uh, I think it's just weird because Christmas is so late in the week this week that we don't necessarily think of Raw on December 21st or whatever the date was as the Christmas episode because Christmas isn't until Friday. But I think it was treated as the Christmas episode. And Christmas episodes are always kind of you know, that's, that's the episode when Alberto Del Rio hits Santa with a car even though a week before he would turned face. It's like, what, what are we doing? Don't worry. It's Christmas. Nobody's watching. Oh, yeah. So, and, and that's why, you know, we headline with a Seamus dean Ambrose cage match that doesn't really mean anything. It was good, but it's like...
2: I have a hard time with the momentum. Like the, the the arc of a ramp up, it's like when you keep giving out awards, like intermittently, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh, an award, yeah, and aw- oh, and a <laughs> Like, I just like up and down. It's like a roller coaster of emotions. Like
1: so you want an hour of slammies and then two hours of roll. I want
2: an hour of chairs and then, you know, like the slammies on the network at right. a special time.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Because if there are that many people voting, which it looks like it was pretty successful, all things considered, then put it on the network as a half-hour special and put an end a match on the end of it. Uh, yeah. Or everybody can choose a secret Santa. <laughs> we'll do an advent calendar. You know, we'll give away some toys.
1: I think it's just their way of filling three hours for their holiday raw that they don't want to write because <laughs> they're like, wow, well, we can't really write anything this week. We have to kind of put pause on our storylines, so... At least we can give out some awards and throw in a Santino segment. Santino doesn't work here? Get Santino back in
2: here. What do you mean him?
1: there's no Santino? Well, I can't call him up. Get him back here.
2: He's actually been in the back, sir, for like four months doing nothing.
1: Yeah. When did we stop paying him? Well,
2: that's, yeah, we did
1: stop paying him. There's just a little glitch. So we're just going <laughs> to so fix the, the glitch. Yeah. We're, so we're firing him. No, 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 no. We're just going to fix the glitch. Okay.
2: How great was it when uh we got to relive our truth though? That that was m- seriously the funniest thing ever. Art- He's had some really good moments this year.
1: He's very, very talented. He's very funny.
2: It's a slow cap city.
1: I wish that I wish that, I was thinking that as I was watching. When I watched him put himself in the money in the bank and then apologize. Like I'm like I forgot how good that was. That was funny. I
2: cured my fear of heights.
1: Yeah. And then it's like you're not in the match, dude. I'm not? No. Are you sure? Yeah, that's my bad. Then that's that's I this apologize. This one's on me. Like that's funny, and there's very few, little comedy in wrestling that's actually funny. It was hilarious, and that was funny. And I thought uh, I do wonder. I, I kept wondering if the uh, Steve Harvey moment on the Slammies last night. So good. I wonder if Paige got smartened up to it, because WWE is the type of place where they wouldn't tell Paige they were doing that, and the award. Everybody's – this is the big controversy about the Slammies. People don't think it was legit, that the awards were not legit. Um, every, to my knowledge, to everyone I've talked to, to all – I've talked to a lot of people on the writing team. I've talked to people on the website. I've talked to people who have to alter what they're doing at a moment's notice. And they all tell me what a pain in the ass it is that the WWE takes their polling seriously.
2: I think there's a legality there, too. I think you can there is, too. absolutely cannot hold a contest.
1: It's a publicly traded company.
2: Yeah, no, no, no. You can't do that.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, to my, I've literally had conversations with people who are annoyed, who work over there because they have to change things on the fly or something, that a skit they had planned because an obvious winner didn't happen. Uh, so I do believe it was all legit. I think that that goes a lot to tell you. I think it goes a lot to tell you that the fan base is confused, to tell you the truth. I think that's what we can take away from the awards of the Slammies that the fan base is confused. Uh, Neville is great, but he's, he's not the breakout star of the year. He's not. But the fan base doesn't really know how to feel about him. You know what I mean?
2: Right to your point, I never thought that I would be getting this Christmas present.
1: Hey, uh, 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 Kevin, how many times do I have to tweet? Uh, keep tweeting these votes for me. What do you mean they can see my tweets?
2: Does the system count if you do it more than once?
1: Does it? Well, make it count, goddammit! Thank
2: thank you so much. Red, green, and gold. Gold because I won first place in the...
1: uh, 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 Slammy uh, IWGP... uh, uh, Kevin, what was it?
2: Viral Video Championships... And I'll keep this acceptance speech short because one, I really didn't think I would win. So I'll read this paper that I wrote on my speech super fast.
1: I knew you had it in you, Nikki.
2: And two, I draw out all my words. So it will be long no matter how hard I try.
1: That's why I love her. Great TV. I... Great TV.
2: Vince, if you'd let me have my moment, I'd like to thank the following people, places, and things. <laughs> First, the Bella Army, Foxy, mm. and Bree.
1: Who's Foxy? E- Alish. A- a- oh, I like that Alish.
2: A- Second, I'd like to thank Seth Rollins for leaving the belt open for my opportunity to grab it.
1: Did she win that from Seth?
2: Next, I'd like to thank Jim Cornette.
1: What do you mean they were injured at the same time?
2: And finally, I would like to thank the Lex Express, which helped us go on tour and secure all these additional voters.
1: I was wondering where that bus went.
2: And maybe I should also thank Salon Paws.
1: Is that Beyonce's sister?
2: I'm not sure what it is, but I hear it late at night on all the commercials. (laughs) So I'd just like to add it.
1: Congratulations, Nikki. This is fabulous.
2: Reminder I conclude with that 301 days, I was the longest reigning WWE intercontinental hardcore IWGP viral video star sensation of the year. Champion. Champion.
1: Uh, Bree, is there anything you want to say to your sister? Come on, Nikki. (laughs) You too. I
2: can't even do it.
1: Love you too. Come on, Nikki. Although I will say uh, it was embarrassing. Katie called me uh, this morning and she told me she was planning on wearing Nikki's slammy outfit to the podcast today. I was. But she was. was embarrassed because Nikki had just worn it. I was a fan of the outfit.
2: I have a few of those. I mean, what is that? <laughs> a, a jumper?
1: Well, it's a it's a, it's a, it's a lace bodysuit.
2: It's a, hmm.
1: Transparent lace bodysuit. But hmm. don't worry. You wear underwear under it, and you you can't see anything. It's fine. No, it's
2: mesh. It's mesh, yeah. It's like a fishnet all over my body.
1: So how did you—all over my body. (laughs) How'd you feel about uh, a a big return, Santino, injured superstars coming back? That that was—
2: Seth Rollins was a nice jump. I wanted to see what he had to say, actually, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to see if it set a very early tone— for him down the line.
1: Well, here's the tone that I think. So,
2: sorry, sorry. Did you think it was ahead. weird that S- Stephanie came back out after her freakout, or do you think it played okay?
1: I think it was okay because the show is just so all over long. the place. It's just so long that it's With been the like Oscars. Yeah, yeah. I've been like when she freaked out about Roman Reigns. That was like two weeks ago, right? Oh, that was tonight. That was tonight. Oh, that was a yep. while ago. Yep. Yeah, I feel like she'd had enough time to cool off because it's a three hour show. Um, and she would be excited about Seth Rollins. Uh, I, some people I read said that they didn't like that, uh, Seth said he was rebuilding himself because that made it sound like an obvious good guy turn.
2: That's what I thought too.
1: I don't think that that's obvious at all. I don't think that that's been decided and I don't think that will be decided until right before he comes back. I think what makes it obvious that he's going to be a good guy is the fact that Twitter and Facebook and the WWE universe could have voted for literally anybody. There were no nominations. Anybody is eligible. And Seth Rollins. Not John Cena. Not Roman Reigns. Not Dean Ambrose. Not any of these guys.
2: Ha <laughs> ha. Seth Rollins. Do it. Do the laugh. Vince's laugh? No, Seth Rollins is so snaky. <laughs> That's a B minus.
1: Well, then don't ask me to do it. You Sorry. put me on the spot. Sorry, I didn't need you. I didn't study. Um, Never study. Seth Rollins won the Superstar of the Year. The audience voted for him as Superstar of the Year. I think the most clear thing that says that Seth Rollins will come back as a good guy when he does come back is the fact that he was voted Superstar of the Year by the fans. Right? Am I crazy? I don't think so. Not for that, anyway.
2: Got to come up with a new term, because uh, we keep going back to this whole idea that the universe is setting the stage of where things are going. Mm-hmm. It's so obvious. Mm-hmm. There's, we have to come up with, like, a noun. What are you talking about? Because I think this is another pure example. We talk about this all the time. That you can't shove Roman Reigns down people's throat. It mm-hmm. doesn't work. However, if the universe speaks, i.e. Daniel Bryan, it, it, they have to play up that moment. They have to play that up.
1: It's just called wrestling. That would be the noun. Like, that's what no, you're supposed dude, to do because anyway. It,
2: because there isn't this 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 linear divide of good and bad and then you you have to like that person because they're good and you have to like that person because they're bad anymore the whole game has changed the universe has such more of a voice
1: they always did though i mean all these all the every big star after hulk hogan was was made from fans cheering like Shawn michaels uh, uh, uh but then
2: you go to the attitude era where stone
1: cold rock mankind but they're was, not
2: supposed to be they're, they're trying to carve out these characters and it doesn't work sometimes. So they have to go with what does work.
1: And it's right. Exactly. So it's like, that's, that's the way it works. Like that's the way it's always worked. And, and it's, you can try to put somebody in a position, but I think the problem is that you can pick a guy because Vince McMahon is a genius when it comes to pro wrestling. There is Vince McMahon is Steve Jobs level genius for professional wrestling. Nobody will ever touch what Vince McMahon has done, what he can do. Nobody will ever really know how his brain works. I mean, he is untouchably the greatest genius that the sports entertainment pro wrestling has ever known. There's no, I'll have that argument with anybody. He makes plenty of mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, but he is a genius. So he can see when somebody is going to click with an audience, I think. And he can or he has been able to hear an audience at the very beginning of something and be like, I know how we can turn them. Like I said.
2: But you're not seeing my you're, – you're, you're putting down my, my, my hypothesis here. Use the New Day as an example. Right. It was a horrible idea. They went on to say that Vince was disappointed.
1: But here's the idea that works, putting them together and then listening, starting wrong. Realizing what works and then going with what works. What they haven't done with Roman Reigns is they're not going with what works. They're going in a different now. direction. I, kind of. I mean they didn't take a step in the right direction this week. But yes, that's why Roman started getting cheered. It has nothing to do with fans being fickle. It has to do with the fact that on at TLC and at the Raw after TLC, they went with what works with Roman. And that's why it works. The reason—the difference between the Ringmaster and Stone Cold Steve Austin is Stone Cold is this raw talent going with what works. The difference between Rocky Via and The Rock is The Rock is the—it's the same raw talent that Vince McMahon sees in the very beginning and goes, Oh, if we present that raw talent this way, that's what works. We need to keep doing that. Like, maybe—and— and, and I mean, there's examples of it forever. So I, I think that, you know, in the case like Roman, like Vince isn't wrong when he says, I want this to be our guy.
2: It's just how the, how it plays out.
1: Exactly. He gets married to this way of, I think, or the company or whoever it is. I don't want to misspeak on, and, and explain what people's jobs are when I don't know what their jobs are. But I think that uh, he, he gets married to... Uh, Presenting things the way he wants to present them. And now more so than ever has become unwilling to compromise. But
2: so there's no conclusion here because then so is the point that he has to change Then Mm -hmm. now he's he's forced to a point where the universe is dictating.
1: The universe was always dictating.
2: Oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Why? Because that's not true. They dictate it. Finally, in the right direction. Not to say he didn't have it in the wrong direction in the first place is what I'm saying. And then they turn it around to how they want to see it. Well, it's, not,
1: it's not even the, it's, it's not the fans changing anything. I feel
2: like this, I'm doing physics right now, like those complicated equations, and I need to put a cheat sheet in me at my TI eighty five calculator.
1: The, the the fans aren't changing anything. They're yes, just they are. They're just saying this is what we want presented to us, and finally,
2: and that changes something. I'm feeling very passionate about this.
1: Well, yeah, I mean. But it doesn't – it takes a person to change something. It takes a person to make a decision to say, okay, we're going to present what's being asked. All a fan can do is ask. Like, they can't force anything. They never will be able to.
2: You don't think they forced Daniel Bryan?
1: No, they didn't force it. They made the decision to be like, okay, we got to go with Daniel Bryan because if they wanted to, they could have kept tinkering with Batista because that's what they wanted to do. But instead, they were like, you know what? It's time to stop pretending this isn't happening. Let's go with what works here, and let's figure out how to make it work. And that, and see, this is the difference. If the fans were just being given what they're asked for, they wouldn't. You wouldn't be surprised, right? It's like all of a sudden you get what you wanted and you didn't see it coming, or all of a sudden you get what you wanted and you didn't see it being like you didn't see it being presented like that. Sure, like, you know, so, those are so, the times
2: that are most exciting,
1: right? And that's what tends to happen in the last minute when you give up all hope that WWE has any interest in what any of their fans want. They pull out some Hail Mary and this happens. Sustaining it seems to be a difficulty because like if I'm Roman Reigns and I'm getting yelled at by Stephanie McMahon in an intro segment to Raw I'm snarling I'm mad still What's Roman got to be happy about? He's being jerked around still. Yeah, he's got the title, but he had to work harder for the title than he ever should have because he was getting jerked around. Like, when I find, when I accomplish things at the company that I work for, and I feel like nobody has helped me get there, I've had to do it myself, I've got a chip on my shoulder. You know what I mean? I'm not sitting there happy with the people that I work for. I'm sitting there, like, in my mind, snarling at them, right? And this is where Roman should still be. He should still be snarling. I mean, he still wants to beat up Triple H, but this whole sort of like cocky making joke because when Roman make Roman's not like funny like that. When Roman makes jokes, it sounds like a jock who's trying to be funny. And if you don't think he's funny, he'll beat you up. And that's not likable. But what is likable is this dude who deserves what he's got and who will fight with passion to get it because that's what we saw at TLC and that's what we saw the Raw after TLC you know like I don't need him goofing on Stephanie Stephanie's wittier than Roman Reigns that's fine but Roman Reigns is a better athlete and a better wrestler and more of a badass than Stephanie I called Roman Reigns the Terminator last week <laughs> you ever see T2 make any jokes? you ever see him smiling? nope Brock Lesnar doesn't make goofy jokes at people? does he? no Big Bully Busick didn't make any jokes. He was a bully. Duke the Dumpster Drossy made a few jokes, but he was a garbage man. And he didn't win very many matches. He was garbage in the ring and garbage is a garbage man. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I think that is, uh, that's, that's the big turnaround, I think. It's not necessarily, like it's not supposed to be as reactionary as it's become. It's supposed to be, there's supposed to be a sixth sense to what's going to work, and all of a sudden we're being presented with something we like, and we don't have to ask for it. There should be a lot more of that happening. And I don't know. It's like it's like you go in a direction, and it's almost there. And, and like I said, last week's RAW, great. This week's RAW wasn't bad. It was a holiday RAW. Nothing much. It's
2: hard to have that holiday RAW though. Come after it such is. It's a tough time of year. You're right. A Few weeks.
1: You're right. Now, here's what I thought was odd. And I guess they did it for ratings, but I kind of didn't like that John Cena was advertised for next week. I wanted John Cena to be a surprise, but they advertised that next week he's getting his rematch with Alberto Del Rio and he's coming back. Now, we know he's coming back because it's Royal Rumble, but still, I would have liked, you know, what if Alberto Del Rio had come to the ring and said, you know, I've got my own open challenge, and then John Cena comes out. Maybe there's a different plan in mind, I don't know, but I feel like i would have liked a surprise John Cena return next week uh, instead of a, an announced one. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I agree with you there.
1: Yeah, it, it was weird. And I, you know, again, I'm sure they just announced it for the ratings. Um, but, you know, I think John Cena will be welcome back. It'll be interesting to see where he fits in. You know, do you have a situation now?
2: Well, what's setting up for the rumble? Well, can we go down that line? Let's go
1: down that line. It's time. Um, Obviously, Roman Reigns is the champion. So Roman Reigns would have a championship match. You know, he's he's still feuding with uh, Sheamus. And the, yeah, well, that's the well, thing. Well,
2: and League of Nations, too, so...
1: There's no wrestler that represents the authority. So he must not have... I still feel like...
2: I think they're going to ramp it up. What do you think? With the authority? Yeah, that's, that's going to mania.
1: Yes. So I feel like there's a good chance that Sheamus wins the title back at Royal Rumble because of Triple H's assistance. Um, and then we start building toward a Triple H-Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania. I think that's very likely. Uh, I'm assuming it's John Cena and The Undertaker. So now you've got Sheamus is champion, Roman Reigns is spoken for, John Cena is spoken for. Who wins the Royal Rumble to wrestle Sheamus at WrestleMania. You know, is it a Kevin Owens? Could be. The returning Daniel Bryan is obviously the one everybody wants, but, you know.
2: Do we know any more uh, to the rumors of Lesnar Owens?
1: No, no. uh, That's just uh, something that's been tossed around. Like Kevin Owens will be if he gets in the ring with Brock Lesnar. (laughs) Booyah! (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Eggnog. Yeah, and like I said, uh, you know, I mean, it'd be interesting, but Kevin Owens is still in that. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't, know. I don't well, know. Where
2: also does it leave the League of Nations without? What do you mean? I don't know. Where are they going?
1: Well, you got. I mean, they're fine. Seamus would be the world champion, and whoever wrestles. But Sheamus... I feel like
2: there's a lot more cloud if he has a belt. Who? Seamus wins the belt back.
1: Well, yeah, that's what I said at the Royal Rumble. Right. Right. So they. So they're good. Uh, it just—it's not a belt; it's a championship.
2: Sorry, it's just. Um, I have to put a dollar in the jar. But who doesn't support anybody but Sam? That's
1: right. Who wins the Royal Rumble? Because, I mean, if Kevin Owens rests Brock Lesnar's a babyface now.
2: Where is the Royal Rumble this year?
1: Orlando, oh, right? That's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Brock Lesnar's a babyface. He was at the house show in Los Angeles last weekend. And he ended up taking out all of the league or two of the League of Nations, something like that. I think he took out Alberto and Rusev. So he's a confirmed good guy. So do you have a Kevin Owens versus Brock Lesnar with Kevin Owens as the bad guy, or is there a better bad guy that could wrestle uh, Brock Lesnar? I don't know at this point. I don't know if they've built up anybody that's strong enough well, to you're take a the fantasy Brock Lesnar booking match. champion. What do you think? I don't know. It's tough if we if we're putting Roman. With Hunter and John Cena with Undertaker, you know, maybe Brock Lesnar wins the Royal Rumble. Maybe it's Brock Lesnar and Sheamus for the heavyweight championship. You know, that gives, at least it makes Sheamus interesting because it's a Brock Lesnar match. He's already started with the League of Nations at the house show. Could be a Brock Lesnar Royal Rumble win. Nobody's got the briefcase. Do they? I... No, nobody's got the briefcase. Cash Sheamus in. cashed in. So, yeah, I mean, you could be in a, in a position where you've got a Brock Lesnar winning the Royal Rumble. What happens if we see that? Like, I I mean, that's a pretty incredible. What happens if Paul Heyman comes out? He wants a shot at the title. He's not getting one because Sheamus is getting the shot at the title. Good. Then I'm putting my client in the Royal Rumble. And now you've got Brock Lesnar oh, in the Rumble. That's good, Sam. Yeah. Maybe Brock Lesnar wins the Royal Rumble and... He takes on Sheamus for the championship.
2: Well, I like that because because of the potential interference with League of Nations.
1: Right, 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 and you still got, you know, that's a thought. I think I'm going to keep thinking about it. Okay, because I, you know, because then what do you got? Brock Lesnar winning the title again at WrestleMania and going away. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't exactly know what you do with the title at that point. Especially because now you've had your Roman Reigns special match. You had your John Cena special match. You know, maybe now Roman beats Triple H and goes, Okay, Brock at Fastlane or whatever the next pay-per-view is. I uh, I want you. You know, I don't know. But I could see Brock Lesnar winning the Royal Rumble. I could see it. I wouldn't be disappointed by it. No. At least we would know the fans would cheer the winner of a Royal Rumble for once. <laughs> We can't go a third year in a row with a good guy winning and being booed. We can't. The best thing they ever did was make Brock Lesnar a good guy because we know they're going to cheer him. <laughs> like They have to cheer Brock. Paul Heyman's with him. How are you going to boo him? So so maybe that's what you do. Maybe you let Brock win the Royal Rumble and then figure it out. Because otherwise, I mean, Roman's not in it. Otherwise, who's going to win? Cena? You know, Kevin Owens is still a bad guy. He's still in the Intercontinental title scene. Dean Ambrose has the Intercontinental Championship. It seems like they're happy with him there. Uh, I don't know what other main event players I'm missing. I mean, Bray is not ready to win the Royal Rumble by a long shot. He was, you know, two years ago when he beat Daniel Bryan three years ago, maybe. But not now.
2: I know you're so not hot on it, but I really am interested to see where Zayn falls into the mix once he's back.
1: Well, he's coming back to NXT this week.
2: I know, but beyond NXT. Because I feel like it left at such a great place. That Cena match was incredible. Undeniably.
1: Yeah, but it wasn't as good as the Kevin Owens Cena match.
2: But I'm just saying.
1: Yeah. It was I mean, a great match. Look, Sami Zayn's amazing. But he's not, you know, he's pretty far away from the main event scene.
2: I feel, but, uh, mm.
1: Yeah, he's not. He's not. He's not close to the main event scene.
2: We had this argument over Kevin Owens, and I said he was Tier A, and you said Tier Two.
1: Well, yeah, and he's still or not close B to the main event scene. He's not anywhere near it.
2: You're going to tell me he he's goes wrestling... against Lesnar in, in Mania, and that's not going to be big. I said big? that's
1: a. I said that was a rumor. I didn't say he was anywhere near it. Right now, he's not. It wouldn't make any sense to have that match today. He's wrestling Dolph Ziggler.
2: Sam, you need a Snickers.
1: Well, I'm not hangry. Do you, need
2: a, do you need a Snickers over there.
1: There's no way. There's, okay. I mean, he's wrestling Dolph Ziggler.
2: Yeah, his, that's, that's a blow-off, okay?
1: His feuds with Dolph Ziggler and, he, and, and Dean Ambrose right but now. But
2: just three weeks ago, you said that he's, he's uh, main event material.
1: I said he's main event material, but I said that the story where he's at right now, its the same thing I've said from the beginning, doesn't make sense. Like, you have to build a story with him that tells the audience that he's not this guy who's wrestling Dolph Ziggler.
2: So you're just saying that Sami Zayn is nowhere near that?
1: No. This, right. Like, he could wrestle the match, and it could be a good match. But there's no reason for people to care about Sami Zayn right now because he's had one match on main roster TV and he's been injured for five months. So it's like, who's Sami Zayn? You know what I mean? Like you can't just, I mean, in that case, put the championship on Cesaro because he has good matches every time. Like he should come back from injury he and be the hurt. champion. Yeah, he is hurt. But like, you know, I mean, if Cesaro... Can't be the guy.
2: That's a good one, Sam.
1: If he came, he's not going to win the Royal Rumble.
2: Not to win the Rumble, just to get back in that mix.
1: Yeah, but again, I mean, like, these are all guys, and this is the real problem that's happened. And this is why I said months ago, we spent all our time worrying about part-timers and John Cena and Roman Reigns. And you haven't built up any of these guys to a main event space. Like, you have to tell a story that convinces me that they're in a main event space. And it's like, let's uh, Kevin Owens can be there. He should be there. He's better than everybody, <laughs> but you know he has to soundly beat Dolph Ziggler and move on, move on to the next thing, and he can be a good guy easily. Easily, it's so easy to cheer Kevin Owens, uh, but he's got to, he's got to, he's got to move on from what's going on right now. You know, he's got to, he's got the story's got to be told in such a way where he's not. If he's worried about the Intercontinental Championship and he can't win it then like he can't win back the title that he wants to win, which is a second tier title. So I need him out of that story. Right. And, and, and somehow convincing me that he's in the world title scene, you know? I mean, put Ryback in the main event then, you know, like he's big, but yeah, I think right now it's just, it's, it's Roman Hunter League of Nations. In that main event scene. Which is why it's so hard to call a winner for the Royal Rumble. And why we're left with Brock. Because. You know. There's a lot of guys with the potential to be there. It's a roster full of talent. It's amazing. The roster is in such good shape. But the storytelling isn't there. And so we haven't raised. Anybody up yet. I mean the same reason why I told you. All these guys who came over from NXT. Are. You know. Not really making that much of an impact.
2: Well, is there something to be said for, to go back to that for one second because mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it. Is there something to be said for Tyler Breeze right out the gate starting on kind of a non-monumental SmackDown show? I don't think Do you, it's, se, do you set the tone already?
1: Like, no, right I don't, there? I don't think the debut matters that much. I think what sets the tone is that, like, your moment was having Tyler beat Dolph. Like, once—he beat Dolph clean at a pay-per-view. So it's like, okay, there you go. It doesn't matter what your debut was. You just, I didn't know who you were. You just beat Dolph clean at a pay-per-view. Done. Okay, good. You're cemented. But then you had 150 other Dolph Ziggler, Tyler Breeze <laughs> matches. And n- does anybody have any idea who won more of them? No. No. So that didn't do anything. Nobody won. Nobody lost. It was just a series of cool matches.
2: That So you're saying that goes back to the storytelling then? Exactly. Exactly. Do you think he's hurting with Summer? No, I think Summer works different. with
1: him. Yeah, no, I, think, I don't think Summer's a problem. I think it's just a matter of, like, we don't know if he's a winner or a loser. There's winners and there's losers. I don't know if he's a winner or a loser. I don't know if he's an intercontinental guy or a superstars guy.
2: I do know that he has seasonal residences, residencies.
1: And you would think if somebody's got that many residency, then...
2: <laughs> What's the word?
1: I don't know. <laughs> then he must be successful. He right. must be good, right? Right. I mean, these residency don't come out of nowhere.
2: Resident I. Si? That's it. Mm.
1: That's the, You hit it on the head, Linendoll. You hit it on yep. the head. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, but I'm interested in... Uh, I still think they're they're going in a good direction. And they have a lot of potential to grow these stories that we're talking about. They just have to actually do it. You know? I mean, that's what you see on NXT. You see people building toward main event status. You don't see Baron Corbin just... All of a sudden, he's in a TakeOver main event. It's like, he won this match, and then he won this match, and then he won this match. Oh, now he deserves a world title match. Now let's—you know what I mean? There's a build. And there's not just, let's pull this guy out because he's good and we'll make him the man. Now, Sami Zayn obviously should come back to NXT because he's, he's the man in NXT and be in the world title scene in NXT. But—I mean, NXT—how many subscribers watch the WWE Network? There's, what, 1.3 million?
2: Probably a little higher than that right now. Maybe
1: 1.4 at its highest. So you got 1.4 million total subscribers, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: which means significantly less than that watch NXT. Raw is watched by, like, 3 million people a week in the United States alone. So just, you know, just because people like us are familiar with these guys— the main roster audience may not be. I mean, the main roster audience is voting Nikki Bella as Diva of the Year because they watch Raw and they see Nikki Bella had the Divas title all year. So, you know, just because we know that they're good, you and I, Katie, and then the people listening, doesn't mean that we can just put them in there and expect everybody else to be like us.
2: But I will say, not to keep using the same example, but when Tyler Breeze did debut, the, the response about with NXT chance was huge, way larger than I thought. Yeah. Week to week to week.
1: Yeah. I mean, but then it's like, if you don't do anything with Tyler Breeze, then the chants start to drop off. Oh, sure. Right? Sure. And that's that's what it is. It's like, you should be doing something with him that makes people forget to chant NXT, and now it's just, no, this is our Tyler Breeze. Right. Like, they don't chant NXT at Kevin Owens anymore. Right. Because Kevin Owens keeps it fresh. And because Kevin Owens has, like, he's, Kevin Owens you know he's he he attracts you to your television set you have to watch what what's 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 Kevin Owens doing and it's little things i saw this photo on twitter kevin owens is in the ring waiting for his match to start and calisto is accepting his slammy for omg moment and it's not even on tv the house lights are down but kevin owens is standing in the corner of the ring resting his head on the turnbuckle pad taking a nap <laughs> While Kalisto is doing his speech. Fantastic. And it's those little things. Like Kevin Owens knows who Kevin Owens is. And it's like no matter what you throw at him, let me see what this guy's doing. You know?
2: It's hilarious.
1: And so I think part of it is really identifying a character. And and the other part of it is is being able to tell a good story. And that's not completely in the control of the talent as much as it is in, in, in you know, creative Vince McMahon, writers, whatever it is. Uh, but, yeah. But, all said, I don't feel discouraged from where we were last week. Do you?
2: No, we were in Wembley Arena with with Popeye. <laughs> I feel great.
1: I mean... <laughs> oh, Popeye! <laughs> that, was that was good. That was pretty good. Right? Olive oil. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, no, I mean, when we did this podcast last week, we were super psyched because Raw was really good. This week's Raw... It did, I don't think it grew anything, but it didn't discourage me. Again, you know, could Roman Reigns have not... Sm- yeah, Roman Reigns. They could have used Roman Reigns better. But I'm not discouraged based on this week. I think there's a lot of good happening. And I still think they're doing great with the women and the different stories and all this stuff. You know, I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was interesting. I think the audience is confused based on the people who won the Slammy Awards. It was great that Rollins won. Um, and it was great to see him. I hope he re-dyes his hair because his roots have gone so far that the blonde is way at the bottom. Ooh,
2: ooh. And
1: that concerns me greatly.
2: I'm sure.
1: Uh, and hopefully, hopefully our truth gets his spot to shine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Katie. I think we've done our damage.
2: We did, but we have to crown a winner.
1: Oh, of last course. Contest. So what? last week, and now, you know, and this is what I was talking about. I told you Vince would not be back. He was off TV. But Stephanie came back, so she doesn't have to look after Hunter anymore. Mm-hmm. But Stephanie came back, but you and I, Katie, were trying to figure out if a new raw general manager uh-huh. would take over uh, to be the authority figure.
2: And we have one winner. One winner. Uh-huh.
1: I got a lot of, of good suggestions, but... If we have... So,
2: let's do this.
1: Okay, if we have one winner, we have one well, and winner.
2: And did they win? They won... Um... The Christmas, the awesome LED Christmas right. light charger, Christmas. The lightning cable. Yes. Um, from Katie Duck, yes. Yes. And a New Day
1: hoodie. Uh, right. Which, with the horn on it.
2: Which hopefully WWE Shop decides to send. <laughs> yes. <sighs> digress. Okay. So the winner is. Yes. Daily DDT. Next Raw GM. William Regal. Uh, oh my gosh! Actually, honest mistake. Oh
1: no 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 honest no no, mi- no, no 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 no
2: no! I'm. That's what the card said. So sorry, Daily D.
1: Oh, Katie, how could you do this? Oh my
2: gosh, I'm so sorry. The winner honest is mistake.
1: Philippine. <laughs> He called her Philippine.
2: And then he spelled Philippines wrong. Like, you think after that, you might spell the countries right, considering that you just had a... Sure, it was an honest mistake, but you had one job and you jacked it up. Yeah. We'll get you down the line, Daily DDT. But it's
1: not today. But you're
2: not the winner. It is
1: a good pick. Uh, William Regal is a good general manager. Yeah. And he was in the past, but... Katie has decided you are not the winner.
2: I read the card wrong.
1: Yeah, that's 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 well, Katie taking maybe responsibility. Maybe
2: font was a little, he wrote it in like Zappa dingbat.
1: Yeah, but you're a tech girl. You can figure all that right, out. Listen, you read all fonts.
2: I read code. That's right. I don't read symbols.
1: So then, do I get to pick the winner? Yes. There were a lot of good ones. A lot of Shane O'Max. Uh, a lot of Wade Barrett's.
2: A lot of Savio Vegas.
1: <laughs> a few Savio Vegas. One I really liked. I'm not. You're not going to win because he wouldn't work because he's off. Well. Canyon.
2: Oh, I didn't see that one.
1: The guy who's uh, uh, the head of NXT who fired... What's his name? On... Uh, I don't remember the name of anything. On the show on the network. You know, Battle... No, not Battleground. The one we did the Sports Illustrated video for. Yeah,
2: that's Battleground. No, Breaking no, Ground.
1: Breaking... <laughs> yeah, it's Battleground. You got to say it. We're both Sam.
2: having senior moments.
1: <laughs> yeah, on Breaking Ground. When he He's the guy who fires everybody. He mm. would be... But, no. He's not going to win...
2: And actually, I thought, did you think it was funny that a lot of people entered and said Tatanka and then they got to, they got a yeah. few more strings in and realized we said don't enter Tatanka?
1: That was before.
2: They're like, sorry about that. I am listening. The winner. The winner.
1: Ox, namey... Asuka? I wish. Ox, namey 805. Daniel Rochin.
2: Sounds like a new electronic.
1: Another Breaking Ground star should be the GM.
2: That's the, that's the winner. ZZ.
1: Yeah. ZZ. Do you know how hated ZZ would be as the general manager? I
2: just want to run. I just want to have a, like a five K against ZZ.
1: It would be like Adam, Mike Adam Lee part two. I would love it if ZZ. So, Katie's going to get all the stuff together, and you won, Daniel.
2: Yeah, you won, so send us a message. Better if you send it to me because I'm a little more organized than Sam. Yeah, no I think, offense. I
1: think Katie will follow you and do all that because yeah. I, I lose track of things. I'll do all
2: the business work.
1: Right. I don't do that.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: don't do that. I just look pretty. I'm yeah. the pretty one. You're the business one. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, thank you for joining me. Chiosky. You can follow Katie at Katie Lennendahl on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and download her amazing tech podcast, Katie.show. You can get to it at the website, katie.show. So we'll see you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.
0: Thanks for listening. listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam
2: Roberts Wrestling Podcast.